It's a simple principle. You shouldn't pay the highest price in the world for drugs that your tax dollars have already helped create. We're already begun to secure fair pricing clauses and contracts for new COVID vaccines, three new COVID vaccines. And we recently proposed that when a drug company prices drugs so high that Americans can't afford them, and those drugs were created by the American tax dollars, the federal government can step in and allow other companies to make and sell that same drug for less because they did it here. This is all part of my administration's work to promote competition across our economy, to lower costs, to raise wages and improve care. Last week, we announced new steps to crack down on anti-competitive practices in healthcare, And we're going after what we call junk fees, like junk health insurance plans. Welcome to the Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Friday, December 15th, 2023. Thank you for joining me today. We actually recently just started broadcasting live onto Instagram today, so hopefully we can get some more reach in that regard. But thank you for joining me. It's an important discussion today following up on the coverage of the hostages in in Gaza in general and what's been happening on the ground. Today, the IDF has admitted to killing three hostages in their engagement in Gaza. And it's a really interesting part of the story that reveals any number of things. At the very least, that their actions were, let's put it this way, at the very least, it's been obviously been possible the entire time that their actions, indiscriminate bombing, and now apparently even just kinetic fighting in, in regard to firefighting with guns, can accidentally take the lives of these hostages. And even more so when we talk about the Hannibal Directive, as we will more so today, because there's yet another example of another Apache helicopter pilot admitting that, yes, they did fire on civilians or places where they could be, both of those things, that we'll find that we should ask the question whether or not this might be part of that, which is a very contentious discussion. But we should add the courage and the wherewithal to ask these questions, in, in, especially since what we've already seen in this process, I mean, the unbelievable amount of lies that have been parroted by corporate media, by the president of this country, that come directly from the IDF and the Israeli government that have been proven to be lies, even by Haaretz, by Times of Israel, by anybody with, I think, two brain cells to rub together, seeing as how they have been fundamentally debunked from the core, from the actual source, all the way down to how it spread throughout the corporate media. Now, today, we're going to be talking about primarily the conversation of the IDF killings and the overarching discussion around the hostages and how this is very evident, in my opinion, but based on the evidence that this is a problem for Israel. The government are predominantly, I would say, the ruling faction right now, that the people that come back from Gaza have a very uncomfortable story, a combination of it was not what you described it as, and that we were terrified of the IDF bombing, as well as we were almost killed while being rescued in the Kibbutz area and other areas like that. Now, we're also going to get into the larger point today of just propaganda. I mean, and it's, this is, I have, I think, three or four really good examples today to show you exactly the way I described it in the title today. That Israel, Israel's failing propaganda is, is, is reactive and it is predictable. 
And I'll show you exactly what I mean. Things will happen where something, somebody will get shot or something will be displayed and it will make Israel's agenda look bad. And then within either later that day or the very next day, within 24 hours, you have the same people who will come out and make an argument that seems unconnected to the story, other than the fact that it seems to counteract what was stated and proven just with narrative. And I'll show you what I mean. And it's, it's really obvious today. Now, I know a lot of people are emotionally invested in this discussion, and I don't even mean in the sense of worrying about civilians, because trust me, I'm emotionally invested anywhere civilians are suffering or people or power structures are allowing that to happen, or even worse, as we're watching today, telling you that it's justified to watch a genocide play out. That's not, I'm, not, I'm talking about more so the, the ideological investment, right, where, you know, the 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 to self-determination of Palestine versus the right of Israel, you know, this kind of dynamic, which is a valid conversation as we've had plenty on this show. In saying that, my point is that we need to begin to look at the facts independent of what we believe our side should be or what the correct, and this is what I think is difficult for all of us, myself included, because clearly we, I, I believe I know what is correct when it comes to, let's say, the origins of the occupation of Palestine. And, and and I can, at least at the same time, stand back and go, I could be wrong. There could be something that I'm missing. Maybe I was misinformed. Maybe I just have a bias that I can't get past. I don't think that's the case, but at least I'm able to ask myself those questions. Now, and this is something we have to consider that they're, that is actively abused by the power structures to have us lean into our political sides, our team sport politics, to allow that to blind us to things that are central to the agendas of not just the left and the right, not just Israel or Palestine or one government or the other, but the real agenda that we see playing out all around us that seems to connect when you look through certain lenses, like we saw a glimpse of that led into the Great Reset and the one world government concept that people still think is fake news, which is hilarious, even though they're literally talking about it and having what's called a, a, a what was it, a world, a world, a, was it a world government summit? Anyway, at the Great Reset, they literally had the headline of talking about a one world government and it's still considered conspiracy theory. Anyway, I digress. Back to the point today. We're going to, I started with the Biden clip there because I wanted to make sure that we didn't miss actually perfect segue from that main point about the medical freedom conversation and how the COVID illusion has been used. This is Biden. Uh, shout out to Texas Lindsay here just to get started. If you, if you missed it, he says that they have three new COVID vaccines coming. Three new COVID vaccines. Why would that make sense to anybody? Like, I mean, even if you actually believe everything that's been said, if amazing, if any, it would blow my mind if that's actually still the case. Somebody who still maintains like the day one narrative, not even the government maintains that narrative. But the argument that three new vaccines would be necessary for for something that has been proven to not even be worse than the flu from day one, let alone today. I mean, it just shows you this is not going away. It's alarming. Thank you for Texas Lindsay for pointing this out. And on that same point, one last point before we start to the main topic today, coming from this conversation. This is a Freedom of Information Act from Defending the Republic. It points out, just to cut to the chase, the point is, and, all, and by the way, the one, the re, I, I, this is a lot of source material here, which I love. You guys can dive through this if you'd like. You can verify this FOIA request itself, the specific point, as well as a lot of other information from Moderna specifically. But this has to do with the concept of spike backs, which is the community to Pfizer. Spike backs to Moderna is the it's it's the 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 brand name that's used once the 
EUA version becomes approved, right? And we've talked about the illusion of approval. I mean, there is a real approval on paper, which was weirdly debated, even though you could literally see that they had documentation. That doesn't mean it's legitimate, you understand. But they technically did approve nothing, but they did approve. They have the, they have the, the stamp and the, and the information and the release and the public discussion. The point was, commodity, which was the Pfizer version, was never made. It was never released. It was never given. And the military was lied to based on the argument that it was approved. And then they got the EUA version. Now, it doesn't matter whether they say it's the same difference. Because first of all, it wasn't. There were very clear differences between them. And I proved it on the show as many of us did. But on top of that, it's legally distinct. That's the main thing they said. And the main point was the legalities around the EUA versus the approved version and whether those lawsuits and liability. And this was all a massive illusion. Now, to the point, because of this FOIA request, it was admitted. Moderna does not have, whoops, go back to it. Moderna does not have a plan to produce any spikebacks material as of right now. Now, how would that make sense to anybody? Now, the argument was they approved it. And then, well, we got to get rid of the EUA version, which shouldn't make sense to anybody because that's a different concept. And they're telling you it's approved, but then giving you something which if you were to suddenly die, you would not be able to sue. But then it turns out they never even intended to make those. And now we get into the illusion of what the emergency use authorization truly was. And by the way, let's not forget, it never went away. They bent and contorted and mental gymnastics and all these different arguments. And it really comes down to the HH, the health and human services part of it versus the FDA part of it. The main emergency is technically aside, but the point is they act like they can maintain it for all these different bureaucratic reasons. The reality is it's no longer an emergency, never was, but they've essentially created this never-ending world where they can pump these things out with no new safety testing, no real accountability. And now we're finding out they knew that, never intended to make the supposed approved version while they all told you it was approved. I find that to be monumentally important, but um, we already told you this though. Just to realize that there's a lot of us that were making this, not that we could prove ver, per their statements that it was the case. Now we've got their own statements thanks to FOIA requests, but we already knew this. We have been played, or rather the ones who were played, got played. Thank God many of us were able to see this, saved as many as we could. But the reality is, it's not stopping. They're making more. Even though the entire platform idea has failed, even per Fauci and his Cell.com study. Admitted, we failed, and they just kept going. And we will follow up on more on this. Like I keep telling you, like we just did another focus on East Palestine. But this topic, guys, as I keep telling, especially for the new audience, is is a wildly interconnected with a, every topic you could possibly point to. And I don't mean that just because, we're like, hyper fixated on Israel as a uh, as a nation, right? This is has a, this has more to do with the power structures that are influencing what we know is the larger agenda. And that very much includes the Zionist entity of Israel, but it also includes the United States. It includes most of these Western partners. My point, though, is that if you don't see yet why this is so important, more so than just the civilian casualties, which, by the way, is monumental. I mean, the, the genocide and the time frame and what we're staring at, as I keep saying, will be this will be a talked about for hundreds of years. One of the worst examples of genocide in a short period of time in such a small area and allowed by the world in the so-called rules-based international order. But above, beyond that, remember Israel was the supposed Pfizer test lab as they admitted. There's a lot more going on. Vaccines were recently given to the people on the ground here. I think the flooding and the 
intentional flooding of the seawater that I think is causing all the flooding in a lot of these places is going to cause more illness. Like, I think this is going to be pulled into something else. Even if I'm wrong, this is a, a, a monumentally important story. Now, we're starting off with a couple of points that I want you to see to carry through the rest of the conversation. Now, first of all, just so you see this from today, this is from today. IDF mistakenly killed three hostages. Now, I, 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 we're going to read through it, and I'll show you what it's talking about. The point is people in Gaza who were taken on October 7th or another, and this is where it gets a little fuzzy in some cases, either on October 7th who were just in some of these areas or on that day from IDF members that engaged who were then taken and some other variations therein. Either way, we're talking about Israelis and people from Israel who were taken. And this is people that, these are people, three of them that were killed by IDF members today. Mistakenly killed them, they said. Now, obviously, there's a bunch of points to include there, which we'll get into more. The idea that obviously this means, and I think somebody else just said this right down here. Yeah, I mean, even Anna here saying nothing they target is accidental. I mean, the common point is that, well, this just shows they're being frivolous with this, just shooting at anybody, assuming they're Palestinian, right? The obvious point is either this means, in my opinion, they thought they were Palestinian, which I believe they're truly just killing Palestinians at will. That's what they've admitted when you listen to them tell you themselves, and there are many different statements and the mass assassination program that they're using, and they admit to while they're speaking privately to 972 Magazine, when they say, yeah, we just take down buildings, take down buildings. But the point is either they thought they were Palestinian or this was Hannibal Directive. I truly believe that's part of this, and I'll show you what I mean. These people have been a massive inconvenience and a political PR disaster every single time they come home. The real question becomes, if that was the case, why is it being admitted? And if it is being admitted, is that by accident? Is that because these people didn't want this to happen? And it's, I mean, I don't believe every IDF member is the same as the Zionist entity. That should, I mean, nobody should argue that. doesn't matter what group we're talking about. Nobody should broad stroke any group. That is always ignorant. But apparently it's allowed if you do it toward the Palestinians today, or just like it was allowed when you do it to the Russians. And still kind of is, but you know how the narrative shifts. Moments ago, it was the Syrians or North Koreans. You know, it doesn't matter. The point is when you're allowed to hate on somebody, it's because the adversary, they're adversarial to the power structure. They killed three people. We also have the example of uh, Noam Dan speaking in front of the Israeli government on the record saying, I want to know if you, if we were given up on, we know for sure that three people were killed by our fire, three hostages. Now they're talking about in Gaza. Understand the bombings by the IDF. So this is a person who still has her father in Gaza. She's calling for a ceasefire. She's blaming them for the killing. And she's saying that then this is just the one clip, but the full article I have in here will go through. And she's saying that we know you've killed some of these hostages. Now, this is different. These are three other people. These are not the same three we're talking about. So I want you to think about this as we go through. How many people have actually been killed by the indiscriminate, what, 60 days of unprecedented bombing in a very tightly packed civilian area where these people are being held. And we already know that Hamas has claimed they've killed many of them already. This is only the first three they've admitted to. You understand these are Israelis saying you've killed hostages before today, right? We also have the freed Israeli captives who have come home and said openly that they feared the IDF bombings more than anything. Now, if you're new to the show, understand these are not just going to be statements I make. I'm going to prove this to you with their statements given to Israeli media or any number of verifiable source material that you can then confirm for yourself. 
IDF bombings they were more afraid of. This, this was actually, how long ago? This was on October 30th. We had the, the, yes, Hamas was the one that released the video. And yes, you should consider whether they put them to it. But now with all the other information, it seems like it's very accurate. Gaza prisoners on the video asked Netanyahu, do you want to kill us all? Many of them reporting permanent hearing damage because of the bombings that were being committed. Reporting that they were hiding right alongside the Hamas and, and uh, elements because they were all being bombed together. We have the AI mass assassination factory admission from 972 Magazine admitting that this was a, uh, make sure I get it right. I was getting it wrong. Absora, not Hasbara, like the propaganda discussion point, but the ha- it's called Habsora, or rather the gospel. It is an artificial intelligence program that they've admitted to using in Gaza. There's seven current and former IDF members speaking on the record with 7972 Magazine. They're admitting not only do they target civilians, but that they indiscriminately bomb in the area where these hostages are held, and they say on the record, we sometimes just take down buildings to take down buildings, many of which could hold hostages, just like the cars they were shooting on October 7th, many of which probably held hostages. Same point. They know what they're doing. All this is being admitted to. Now, carrying those things through today, let's start off with one point from Elon Levy. This person's going to be a central point today. Israeli government spokesperson for in the October 7th war. So he's like the October 7th representative, right? Now, he says, highlighting a United Nations post from two days ago that says people seeking safety in overcrowded shelters in Gaza are facing the spread of infectious diseases, as well as inadequate food, water, and basic services. All civilians, as much as we know, they're actively telling you there is nobody innocent in Gaza. I just feel I'll include this just because we talked about it yesterday. Avigdor Lieberman, writing for Times of Israel. Innocence in Gaza? Oh, don't be naive. This was written on the 4th of December. So what was that again about only bombing Hamas, right? Like, let's be real, guys. They're telling you openly they think everyone there is an enemy. Very clearly. (laughs) Come on, there we go. So my point is the UN, whatever you think about them, and I'm in no supporter of the UN, is simply saying all these civilians have no food, no water, no basic services. And as they're simultaneously flooding underneath with seawater, as they've admitted, and the rain, I wonder why everything's flooding so incredibly more than ever. The point is that this is going to cause disease. Now, Elon Levy says, the only way to help desperate people in need, and I guess he's, ta- you know, he's intentionally, I'm sure he means anybody desperate. The point is he wants you to think he's talking about these civilians. They, he's made it clear as well that he doesn't think that they're innocent. But he says, just in general, to help desperate people in need is Hamas's surrender. And it's mind-boggling, he says, that the UN can't bring itself to call for that. Which, by the way, they have called for a ceasefire many, many, many times, which would then lead to some kind of demilitarization. Where is re- but see, that's not what they want. See, this is the point I'm trying to make here. Think about what's being said here. The only way, he says, to help desperate people, which in the minds of Israelis, that means the people being held captive is for Hamas's immediate surrender. But of course, his point is that UN's pointing at the civilians. So he means at least you could take it for anybody, including his civilians in Palestine. So apparently, as I've said many times, the only option 
is either Hamas just gives up or they keep bombing. Which, by the way, their entire population is right now going, you're trying to kill everybody. You're killing our families. Stop bombing. Ceasefire. Just briefly tap into Israeli conversations or their media, Haaretz, Times of Israel. It's ridiculously obvious. And your media and Biden and the rest just don't say that. The Israeli government is being called out more than I've ever seen in my life by the Israeli population. That doesn't mean that, that... There's not an obvious part of them that want to continue going after the Gaza in particular, but Hamas specifically, or more broadly Gaza, but Hamas specifically. But first and foremost, before anything else, they want a ceasefire so their families can come home. And what does Israel do? Immediately goes back to bombing. Hamas asks for more discussions, more hostage exchange. They say no. Let's not forget, Israel's war cabinet blocked the Mossad chief, from restarting these hostage talks. He brought it up and says, let's talk about hostage again, right? Isn't that what everybody wants? And they said, no. First of all, they made the argument that, well, Hamas's leadership has been cut off in Qatar, which by the way, is not, I don't believe is true. If they were cut off at any point, they would have been any from the very beginning. Nothing new has happened that suddenly cut them off. So the point is, I don't believe that. But even if it is, why does that mean you still, you couldn't discuss with them about some kind of leadership? The point is, they then later in the very same article make the other argument, which is, well, I don't think Hamas seriously wants to make a deal, so we're going to wait. So that's the, that's the actual reason. Nothing to do with the other. But the problem is they're lying to you because even right now, you can still prove Hamas has this on the table. Vice News even talked about this. So did BBC. From the very first week, Hamas has been offering a full exchange. Israel has repeatedly refused. Until they were just recently forced to pause for a few days and take some of them back. And then as Hamas was still offering, they shut it all down. Blamed Hamas, went right back to bombing. That's even what the U.S. government said, guys. I mean, not in exactly like that, that way, but they made the point that Israel claimed they made a mistake or they broke the deal and went right back to bombing. You know, even if you believe that, let's realize that they're trying to start it again and they're saying no. And continuing to bomb where we know hostages are. So if Elon Levy is saying the only way for people to come home or these people to be helped is for Hamas to surrender, that means it's never going to stop because Hamas is not going to just surrender for nothing, even if you think that they should. Like, are you really trying to apply a moral argument to what you're calling a terrorist organization? Okay, if not that, then why would you think they're just going to lay down their arms? What do you think Israel's going to do to them? They'll kill them. They know that. So they're going to fight till the end. That's not a support statement. It's just a simple static reality. So if we know that, if we know that Hamas is not going to just give up for nothing, then they're going, we're going to keep bombing no matter what, because the option we're giving you is not possible. Unless what they want is some other country to step in and what, start trying to force them in their different way? Like, it doesn't make any sense, is my point. The obvious reality is they're going to keep bombing this location until every single person is killed. Or they get what they want, and then as a byproduct, they'll shuffle through the rubble to find who may be left. Guys, that's an obvious reality that shows you they do not care about the hostages. It just is such an obvious reality that it makes me sick to think that anybody's trying to defend what they're currently doing. The Shapiros of the world that are acting like, just give up, Hamas. Who are you talking to, Ben, when you say that? Are you acting like we have Hamas's ear? Well, you they know you've argued they should give up. They've said no. Okay, now what? Do we just keep saying give up or we'll keep bombing forever? 
Again, it simply shows that they are not going to stop until everybody is dead. This is what they're being, I mean, admitting to you without saying it. Now, Dan Cohen put, put, make sure to include, and I voted this out yesterday, Biden ignored requests for invitations to the White House Hanukkah celebration from families of Gaza captives in, in Gaza. This is, by the way, while they were firing tank shells indiscriminately into Gaza homes to celebrate Hanukkah, which was a public discussion. And they used the tank shells that Biden basically illegally sent, circumventing congressional approval. The point, though, is that these are Israelis with families who are held in Gaza who simply wanted to join the Hanukkah celebration when they wanted to state what they wanted, which was call for ceasefire, and they just said no. So is this really about some kind of solidarity thing, or is it about selling you on a narrative as if the American public can't see through that? And again, the, the dumb bomb argument, which is what this article is discussing, which now has been put to the State Department, U.S. intel details their widespread use of dumb bombs. So how can we pretend that they're they're not trying to kill everybody when it just got revealed that what they're doing is bombing with things that guarantee that? Almost 50% of almost 30,000 air-to-ground munitions used by Israel have been unguided with the remainder being precision-guided munitions. So half the time, they're bombing with unguided dumb bombs, they're called. Now, remind me, correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't the argument that using unguided rockets by Hamas is what makes them a war crime? Yeah, that is what they said. So it's one of those whole, when you do it, it's a crime, but when I do it, it's not kind of thing, right? When you do it, it's terrorism, and we do it, it's counterterrorism, right? When we use cluster munitions, it's because you did first. Right. So ultimately, they're the exact same thing. Is that what you're? Yeah, that's exactly. The point is, they are bombing indiscriminately, not just because I say that, but by very definition of the word, where they know their people are being held. You shouldn't need any more than that. But it says unguided munitions due to their lack of precision pose a significant threat to civilians, whoever is over there. Again, glancing back to this point only way to help these people is for Hamas to immediately surrender. So this is while they know they're bombing with these, in, these indiscriminate dumb bombs that might kill their people. This is a way to keep this going. How do you not see that as they at least don't care about these civilians? The high rate of usage of these dumb bombs by Israel, dumb bombs by Israel, may be contributing to the escalation of the civilian death toll. Even Joe Biden accused them of indiscriminate bombing now. Which, by the way, does not mean he believes that it means meek Joe Biden, genocide Joe, as they're now calling him, is shuffling over to the other side because he's realizing he's lost all of his support. Because that's what politicians do. They're fair weather, everything. <laughs> but the point is, the Israeli spokesperson said that Israel as a military is committed to international law and a moral code, and we do with our best to minimize civilian casualties. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. We use indiscriminate bombs, but we're doing our best to not indiscriminately bomb. However, experts have expressed concern that the high rate of unguided munitions undermines their claim to that. I mean, yeah, obviously. A former explosive ordnance disposal officer has spoken on the record and this is a, he is a uh, current senior crisis advisor on arms and military operations for Amnesty International and he expressed concern over this and surprise. The report comes at a sensitive time in the relations with the U.S. and Israel. Biden has stated that Israel is losing international support. Yeah, long, about 57 days too late. And is becoming increasingly isolated from international, uh, international support for refusals to call for a ceasefire. Now, the point 
is in general, it's obvious that we can tell they're indiscriminately bombing. It's becoming an open secret. Now, with the hostage overlap, that's the kind of point I'm trying to set. We've already made it clear, in my opinion. Genocide, indiscriminate bombing, in fact, intentional targeting of civilians. But from the Israeli side, I'm hoping you're paying attention to realize that these hostages almost seem like their target. Now, here is what Orwell shared in regard to the State Department. Matt Miller, you know, clumsily losing the control of the narrative as usual, where they ask about these dumb bombs. And this here's his response. That have been coming out since the weekend about, uh, you know, U.S. assessments of what uh, the Israelis are doing with U.S. Uh, supplied um, uh, munitions. Um, the State Department clearly has a stake in this whole thing. Um, as part of the rest of the administration. And I, 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 I'm, I'm still finding it hard to understand how it is that you guys have not at least come to some kind of preliminary conclusion as to whether you think these weapons are being used in the, in the correct way um, or if there are questions uh, about that. So it remains the case that we just have not made that type of assessment. We are monitoring. We are collecting information, as we do in every conflict uh, around the world. We are engaged in conversations with the Israeli government about steps that they can take to minimize civilian harm, but that's not an assessment that we have made. Um, well, can I just ask why not? Uh, it, we're not at that point. We are we are collecting well, information. What, we are monitoring. At what uh, point? At what point it, do you think it would be appropriate to make an assessment? So I am going to. What you I will say is, seem, others. I mean, doesn't this just seem pathetic? Oh, we just haven't done it yet. Like, okay, so in any other sense, in any other, I mean, whether, look at the main point about Russia, how they couldn't, they were tripping over themselves to be the first to call it genocide before we had any evidence and no investigation. I mean, look, his, his same point, that they're somehow supposed to be reach, investigating every bomb that was dropped. Yeah, we're like 30, 40,000 at this point. We're in every bomb, right? Are, we, are they really pretending that they in real time investigated every bomb that Russia dropped? I mean, these guys are, blatantly lying, provable by their own statements compared to each other. It's embarrassing. Look more than happy to scream genocide when Russia sneezes too hard. And I'm not, I'm not arguing they're not capable of that. My point is that this is embarrassing to pretend they're, we just haven't got to it yet, is it valid at all. Obviously, by every single metric, from anybody, I mean, th this is why we have, well, every metric, it's clear, it's genocide. But from every person we're listening to, from the UN, from international lawyers, to human rights lawyers, to NGOs, across the board, obviously genocide, not by opinion, but by static, because you're looking at the metrics that are used to decide, and they're all calling it genocide. You know why? Because it's obviously genocide. Have uh, of already. Of, of course they have. We have a, um, I think, a responsibility to be careful. And I am going to. What I will say is, others have already. Of course they have. We have a, um, I think, a responsibility to be careful and deliberate uh, when we make those kind of assessments. And we're not at the point yet where we have been able to uh, uh, state that with any degree of certainty. Right. So his point is, they're all clumsy and and and, and irresponsible. That's that's his, his allegation without saying it. Right. Oh, of course, sure they have. That, that was the way he said that, right? The point is, if they've done it, then it's not accurate. <laughs> it's only accurate when we do it, when we're ready. When we did it 30 seconds after Russia started, oh, that was accurate because we did it. It's just insulting. It's insulting to your intelligence.
colleagues um, reporting on the use of dumb bombs in this conflict. How does you does how does that square with the repeated uh, statements we've heard from this building that? Israel is taking steps to protect civilians that they do have the intent to protect. So I'm just not going to comment on uh, how they are using any specific weapon. Obviously, the circumstances uh, would... uh... Right, because it's not like you can see the circumstances in a thousand different ways, in a thousand different bombings, right on your TV and your Twitter accounts and everything else. But yeah, but I guess they haven't gotten to that with their assessment. Um, uh, the, the, the circumstances of how any weapon are, are used would be required to draw any kind of definitive judgment. There are different ways you can use any uh, number of munitions. Now, that's not an invalid point. Now, this exact point is for me is not about de- determining whether it's the legal term of genocide, because that matters. There are metrics and specific things to be met. She simply just asked about indiscriminate bombing. Like, think about how ridiculous that is. They are le- they're using like. The, the epitome of an indiscriminate bomb. It's called a dumb bomb. I just read it to you. And she's asking, when they use indiscriminate bombs, how do you uh, make that connect? Or how do you, what's the word she used? How do you rectify that with the allegation that they're doing everything they can? I'm not going to dig dive into, what do you mean? They're, it doesn't matter if it was one of the bombings or every single one of them. If they're using a bomb in any circumstance, in a civilian area, which is this entirety of Gaza is, that's indiscriminate. Whether there's even civilians there, that's indiscriminate. So it's just pathetic how these people will try so hard. And th- and these are people that are good at this job. People like Kirby and Matt Miller. I'm not saying they're good people or that I trust them. My point is they're good at lying. And even they look stupid when they're getting pushed like this because this is obvious. And of course, let's not forget that they're telling you this is going to go on for several months, was the quote, several months. And of course, Jake Sullivan looking like he's in some kind of hostage movie when he's sitting there being told how we're grateful you're supporting our genocide. Like he's thinking, oh my God, I'm going to end up at the Hague. Oh my God, I'm going to go to jail. Like that's the look he has when you're saying this, that's my opinion, obviously. Now, the director of Electronic Intifada has reported, as we already showed you, that even Haaretz, the record, the record, uh, the, the paper of record in Israel is discussing the Hannibal Directive. If Israel used a controversial procedure and they're discussing the Hannibal Directive, then we need to know about it, talk about it now. And it says it right there, which allows the military to endanger a soldier to prevent them from being kidnapped. Now, by the way, they've used this with not just soldiers historically, but civilians. At the hostage taking incident in Ba'eri on October 7th, they question. Now, the point is, we don't need to question. Here is a colonel speaking with uh, Middle East I discussing how this was what he says. What we saw here was a mass Hannibal. Now, of course, he could be wrong. He could be lying. But that's what a colonel with the Israeli military stated on the record. And also, we have all the evidence that we've already gone over, including the Haaretz report in Hebrew only saying, yes, that the helicopters shot some of the people at the festival. It's right. On, it's on the record, guys. We have the helicopter pilots. In fact, here's one of the new ones from Dan Cohen. We knew that the tanks fired on the houses because the IDF members said that publicly. We have the security team at one of the, I think it was the head of the security team at Kibbutz Ba'ere reporting that they shot civilians. We have hostages saying, or rather uh, people from the festival coming back saying they were sh- that they were civilians that were shot. And now we've got some of the helicopter pilots on the record saying that they shot at the settlements and killed civilians. 
We even have Ynet News from Israel and Israeli platforms saying one-fifth of the troop fatalities in Gaza are due to friendly fire or accidents. And we have Israel admitting to immense amount of friendly fire on October 7th. I mean, it's just, it's unparalleled. All of this simply showing you that they're capable of shooting at their own people, including military and civilians, and that this is a public directive that even Times of Israel and Haaretz are openly talking about, and the record that they did, in fact, do this, according to their own people. Which brings us to the point of what's currently happening. The mistakenly killed three hostages in Gaza today. Now, with all the stuff that we've already heard, and all of the facts that the idea, the members of the Israeli citizens who have said that they saw people get killed. Not these three that they say they shot in real time, but the people that were bombed. Now, my point there is to realize this is only the ones they've admitted to. And as we're going to go through the rest of the show, you're going to hear the representative of Israel tell you that they've all been killed by Hamas, even though their own people say they saw them killed by the bombings. They're being caught in their own lies by their own people calling them out. All, most of their propaganda seems interestingly aimed at a Western audience. So maybe they're just hoping that you just don't listen to what their people are saying, because a lot of it ends up being in Hebrew. IDF mistakenly killed three hostages. So just so it's on the record, they definitely killed their own people, whether by mistake or intentionally. But if we know they have been initiating the Hannibal Directive, I'm, I have the general question of whether or not these weren't by accident. But again, the question then comes why they would have admitted it or how that ended up happening. Now, this article has updated. Let's just look what it says now, too. Like the live blog page. Hundreds march in Tel Aviv demanding. Yeah, see here. This I'm so glad we just did this. Here's the point. Everybody seems, well, I, sh I should be as, as specific as possible. In my opinion, obviously the vast majority of Israel is openly calling for ceasefire. Just like the West, by the way, interestingly enough, just like the West is, and, and the people in pro-Israel Western discussions are saying means kill all the Jews. Right. So you've got the Israeli population marching through the streets saying ceasefire. And then you've got people over in the United States calling for ceasefire and they go, you hate Jews. So are you literally claiming that all of Israeli population hate themselves? Like, think about how dumb this is. And we're going to end with that point today. Now, I'm not, of course, I guarantee there's somebody out there who is saying free Palestine that secretly hates Jews. People are disgusting in some cases. People are racist. Anywhere you look in the world, that exists in some way. But to simply blindly and broad stroke say anybody saying free Palestine, anybody saying from river to the sea, unless they're Israeli, of course, which happens all the time online and is literally in the charter for the Likud party. But aside from that, they're all racist if they say that only if they're Palestinian. It's absurd, guys, and it's not working. People aren't falling for it. Hundreds march in Tel Aviv demanding a hostage deal after they kill three of their people in tragic air. So point was right after, before it said, we'll learn lessons from mistaken killings. Resume effort to free other hostages. You see how they're framing this? Right? So again, the point is we're, the only thing we're going to accept is Hamas just surrendering. You know, it would be a very interesting quick side note. What if that did happen? What if Hamas just all of them said we're done? Do you really think they would stop what they're doing? It's a good question to ask yourself. I think we can prove that's not true. I think it's, they would just say, well, there's probably more Hamas somewhere or pretend that that wasn't true. Who knows? That, that's completely hypothetical in any case. The point is they're saying resume effort to free other hostages. That's not what they're doing. They're going after their agenda. 
which by the way, they're basically stating they want to remove all they're pushing everybody south. They want to move them into the Sinai desert. They've got leaked plans that say as much open statements. I think we're at like 40 different statements from officials that are saying ethnic cleansing, genocidal statements that you can prove calling on Amalek and these different biblical passages, openly saying there's nobody innocent, openly calling them all human animals. I mean, it's just blatant. And openly killing their own people or with a lack of concern for them. But then after they do blatantly kill them, they go, oh, it was an accident. We learned from it already. And we're going to go right back to, quote, freeing the hostages, which, by the way, quote, freeing the hostages is what just ended up killing three hostages because that's not what they're doing. The IDF says during combat in Sijaya, the IDF mistakenly identified three Israeli hostages as a threat and as a result fired toward them and the hostages were killed. Now, wouldn't you argue that when you're in a situation where you know there are hundreds or over a hundred people that are your people that you're trying to, that you claim your only mission is to rescue, don't you think that might be the forefront of their mind as opposed to just firing on people that they see in the street? Unless they're just firing on people they see in the street, which by the way, we've proven already. Their bodies were transferred to Israeli territory for examination, where it was confirmed that they were three Israeli hostages and were identified. Yotam Haim, they say was kidnapped on October 7th. Samir Talaka, who was kidnapped from the, uh, on October 7th. And, the, and well, at first, they, the third hostage was not supposed to be discussed, but they later it, uh, said it was okay. The family did. And his name is Alon Shamir, Shim, Shimriz, I believe. Now, it says the IDF began reviewing the incident immediately. The IDF emphasizes that this is an active combat zone in which ongoing fire fighting over the last few days has occurred. Immediate lessons from the event have been learned. What would that be? Which have been passed on to all of us. I mean, it just brings hollow, right? What lesson to everybody within what? By a couple hours, everybody already learned and knows and has embodied the lesson. I mean, that just seems like a statement. The IDF expresses deep remorse over the tragic incident and sends the families its heartfelt condolences, which, by the way, is sad, guys. No matter who you are, what side you think you're on, these are just, well, to be clear, anybody dying in any of this case, whether military or not, is not something anybody should rejoice in. Human life matters, guys. And I'm just so tired of this game being played from the sides and the, usually the two-party paradigm. But it is important to point out that an IDF member is a military target. And in the sense of what is actually happening, which is an occupied territory and the legal ar armed rebellion that is... Con protected under the Geneva Conventions would mean that an IDF member is a military target, just like they're firing on whatever they say is Hamas, and by the way, killing many, many, many more civilians, which apparently doesn't change the discussion. In this sense, they're firing or engaging with IDF members. That makes it a legal target. I'm not rejoicing in the death. I'm simply pointing out that that is international law. Just because that you don't like the way that sounds doesn't mean it's not international law. It's a static reality. The IDF, uh, and then it says, Oh, it's IDF expresses remorse over the incident and sends the family's condolences. Our national mission is to locate the missing and return all the hostages home. Yeah, but in the process, what we're doing is indiscriminately bombing wherever they may be. So I don't know how you could take that at face value. The name of the third hostage mistakenly killed was, and it says, uh, Alon Shim Shimriz. Now here is CBS News talking about the three killed. And this gets into other discussions too. All this happening at the same time. Three they say they killed, three bodies they say were returned, and then apparently two or three other people. And I'll show you what I mean. It's, it's an interesting timing of all this, which makes me think that something else happened. 
Three hostages being held by Gaza, by Hamas in Gaza were mistakenly killed by friendly fire during combat operations, which again, let's not forget, by the way, that the entire original narrative was that this was just wholesale slaughter, murder, everything they could do to kill and hurt everybody all the time. And that's never been embodied by what we see coming back. Right? Let's forget. Let's not forget. These were killed by IDF. Now, yes, taking civilians was a crime, but these weren't civilians. Right? That has to matter, guys. The law matters. During combat operations, the dense neighborhood in Gaza City where we're fighting has been taking place. The Israeli military said they mistakenly fired on them. They said the bodies have been returned to Israel. Identity were confirmed. And it goes over the same name, Samir Talaka, Yotam Haim, and Alan Shamir, uh, Shemriz. The IDF emphasizes at the same point. The military, uh, the, Benjamin Netanyahu said in his statement, together with the entire people of Israel, I bow my head in deep sorrow and mourn the death of three of their hostages. They hate this person, guys. They are screaming with vitriol about this person, Netanyahu. They wanted him removed before October 7th. This has only made it worse. And they are protesting outside of, up front of his home. I mean, it's it's crazy. I mean, now even he's they've now even lost the support of the U.S. government, it seems. It says, this is an unbearable tragedy and all of Israel is grieving their loss this evening. Right? They're blaming you, Netanyahu, and you know that. Bodies of three other hostages were recovered this week as well. According to previous statements from the Israeli military, now this is the body of Isla Toldano. The, uh, this is this was uh, Friday, French citizen, and reportedly been attending the music festival. And there was also Eden Zakaria and Ziv Dado. Now it says here that they have said that there is an estimated 137 still being held. Now Hamas has said a long time ago that wasn't accurate, both of which because they have killed many of them or because they didn't even have that many. So I foresee a problem when this comes to that final endpoint where they're discrepancy on what they expect to come back, which seems like a set up to fail kind of situation. But here's I-24, and this is from the 12th, talking about Eden Zakara and Ziv Dado, but interestingly leaving out the first one, Ila Toldano. So simply just pointing out, and this is where it gets into, these are also IDF members. Saying they recovered their bodies, remains were brought back to Israel, led by IDF units. You know, so it's interesting we're not hearing all of this. Now, the obvious point, guys, is I don't know why we wouldn't be at least asking whether it's possible that all of these were killed by the bombings. If some of them were, then obviously all of them could be. I'm not saying I know that for sure. Any number of these people could have been killed by Hamas. They could have been killed by any number of things, including starvation and dying of thirst, right? But overall, we have to ask these questions, and that's not what they're doing. They're now dumping all of this and saying Hamas murdered all of them. And by the way, let's not forget that people, hostages coming back from Gaza, said one of their biggest fears, this was reported by Haaretz, was that they would die by IDF bombing and then be reported as killed by Hamas. It seems like that's happening. Now, the overall point was simply that it seems odd that one of them wasn't included in this discussion. And here, oh, here's actually some more. See, this is, oh, see, this is interesting. Let me read this part here. So they identified them, and this is the two of them. It says Eden, 27, was abducted from the festival while Ziv was taken hostage while serving at a logistics supervisor in this battalion, which is a military target. Ziv Dada was acknowledged as a fallen soldier in captivity. Now, why was that? If his body was only just recovered, why was he deemed fallen before? Until today, he was acknowledged as a fallen soldier. Just like they said, that child was killed who later came home. 
guys, it seems like they're just saying whatever works for the narrative. Now, you could argue they somehow made a mistake, but I'm seeing far too many inconsistencies to feel like it's all an accident. Especially when they refuse to say anything about some topics because they claim it might be misunderstood. It just It's obvious that this is about controlling narratives, in my opinion. Now, down here it says, in the course of operations leading to the recovery of the bodies, two IDF reserve duty soldiers, Galmir Eisenkot and Eilmir Berkowitz, were killed in action with additional soldiers sustaining injuries. So these are two other IDF members that were killed in the process of all of this. And yet we continue to not see any real provable evidence about Hamas even being killed at all. Other than the civilians they trotted out, which we'll get into in a second. Our national mission is to locate the missing and return all the hostages home. We're collaborating closely with security agencies, utilizing all intelligence and operational capabilities to safe return of all hostages. Does that include the dumb bombs that are indiscriminately bombing? Now, Eli David adds today something else. Ron Sherman and Nick Beiser, he says, were kidnapped while being alive and well, which is a very weird way to say that, almost like he just copied and pasted. But today, IDF retrieved their dead bodies. Hamas executed these hostages in cold blood while they were in captive. Now, how, how does he possibly know that? That's not what they're saying. So he's just giving you what they're supposed to be saying. Hamas is the greatest evil since the Nazi. Right, just, you know, give us this game, bring up the Holocaust, talk about Nazis, make sure you know they're anti-Semitic, whatever the narrative is. Obviously, what they've been doing is trying to convince you very aggressively that they're either ISIS or Nazis or whatever works for you in that moment. None of which really makes any sense. Now, I pointed out, which plenty of people, like, let's be clear, in this article, you can clearly read the names of the people. I'm not suggesting these were the same three people. My point was to make this obvious. He's saying these three, these two people were recovered. I said, was it these three bodies? Simply making a point that they're just, the IDF is killing their own hostages and why we would immediately blame Hamas with this if you can see that that's happening. Now, the point in this is to ask, well, first of all, let's read this. I, this is from the IDF. The bodies of these hostages, the two that he just discussed, were abducted by Hamas on October 7th, have been recovered from Gaza during operational activity and returned to Israeli territory. So, so he got what the IDF was saying. The IDF sends the families heartfelt, same, same discussion. Now, obviously, the IDF parody says Israeli airstrikes is a possible cause of death. I agree. Here's where it gets interesting. Here's what the Times of Israel says. IDF retrieves the bodies of two of these soldiers. This was on the 15th. It's today. So it's interesting that we're getting the story about three bodies here without any overlap to the other bodies here, three others, or then these two here, which all seem to happen in the same time frame. It just feels very odd to me the way this was covered. Now it says IDF forces operating in Gaza have recovered the two bodies of Nick and, and Ron Sherman, Nick Reiser, Ron Sherman, which both military, both IDF. Still sad that they were dead. Still sad that their lives were cut short, but they were military targets. The military says it has informed the soldiers' families. Now it says Beiser began his army, his service on April 30th and October 7th was taken captive near his base in Erez Crossing. Beiser was working with the IDF as a liaison. Down here it says Sherman last spoke to his mother on the 7th. He was at an army base when he was taken. Okay. So when he's saying Ron Sherman and Nick Beiser were kidnapped while being alive and well, you get what you get what he's doing here? He's clearly trying to make it seem as if these were just a couple of innocent people who were snatched while they were living and alive and well. No, they were IDF members in military bases that were engaged with by a legal resistance. When that's the 
legitimate reality of the international law in this case. Any member of Hamas that went off and killed a civilian or did anything else other than the legally protected acts were crimes. This was not. That's the, I, it's, People are going to hate that that's the case, but that's the reality. That's why he wouldn't didn't say that, because this man is a liar and he's a propagandist. Now, here's Elon Levy again. Saying Hamas holds 132 hostages, which is different than what we were just told by Times of Israel. But it goes on to say 13 males, 19 females, two children, 10 of them age 75 plus. Then apparently 172 Israelis and 11 foreigners. So, I mean, are are these Israelis and foreigners somehow like not male or female? Like it's a weird way to state that. But either way, the point is down by three after the three bodies rescued. The three bodies that you killed, I don't think that's what he's talking about. The two other people that were IDF members, probably not. They're talking about the three that they recovered that seem highly likely to have been killed by Israeli bombings, which they have no evidence to suggest otherwise. But it only includes those three. It includes 20 bodies of murdered hostages. See, that's where everything else is dumped. Why are we only hearing this now? 110 captivity survivors, eight bodies repatriated, five missing persons. I mean, that doesn't add up to make that simple. So I don't know where that all that that weird math came from, but that doesn't add up with everything he says there. But here's what he has to say. Update on the hostage crisis. Hamas is still holding 132 people hostage since 10-7, in addition to four hostages from before. That hostage count has been revised down by three since yesterday's update. In addition to recovering the bodies of murdered hostages Corporal Nick Beiser and Sergeant Ron Sherman, the IDF also recovered the body of dual Israeli-French national Elia Toledano, aged 28, who was abducted from the Nova Music Festival and murdered in Hamas captivity. Among the... All murdered. Now, of course, that's one of the possibilities, Right? But we need to realize that this is exactly what was the worst fear of one of the people who's currently back in Israel. Knowing that they're bombing and in many cases already did kill some of these people. Realize, again, one of the people who was home already said they witnessed themselves seeing these people die due to IDF bombings. And now they're just saying it was Hamas. That, this is what we're talking about, guys. This is an obvious deception. In no way does that mean Hamas is not capable. They already admitted to this, or rather accused them of this, because they saw it themselves. And don't forget, many of these people, they've been shut away. They've been told they're not allowed to speak to the press. Fifteen of the people from the Nova Festival have been involuntarily committed in a mental institution. I mean, it's, it's staggering. Remaining 132 hostages in the Hamas terror dungeons are 113 males and 19 females. There are two Hamas terror dungeons. I mean, this is my point, guys. I mean, you don't need to make this is they make this cartoonish. This is this is what one of the points of the, the, the reactive points we're going to get into. But that's a good one right there. So this comes out where everyone leaving is saying you know, they're still still being kidnapped, still scary for them to be taken. The point is they were treated well. That's what they said. They were fed. They were allowed to be together. And they call it a Hamas terror dungeon. Probably envisioning what they're doing to Palestinians right now, because that is what's going on. As they admit, as the international community admits, as Amnesty and Human Rights Watch and Beth Salem and all of them admit. It's projection. Either way, that's not to say that maybe Hamas 
Maybe Hoss does have a terror dungeon somewhere. Certainly not what they were kept in or what any of the people coming home were saying. But please, Elon, continue telling us all of the things about what everybody tells us didn't happen. Children under 18, the B-Bus infants, and 10 people over 70 B-Bus infants, and 10. There are two children under 18, the B-Bus infants. Yeah, sorry, I just want to make sure he said it fully. The B-Bus family has already been set, claimed by the mother who is still in captivity to have been killed. By other people who have come back have stated this. They know this. They've heard it. They just don't care because the Bebus family have become kind of famous because of the red hair. That was one of the things they said. And so clearly they just rather use them for propaganda purposes. It's horrifically sad that they were killed by IDF bombings. Infants and 10 people over 75. 121 of the hostages are Israelis, another 11 foreign nationals. And just repeating the information the same. Now, here's the point that I said a second ago, just in case you didn't believe me. Music festival massacre survivors involuntarily committed due to mental breakdowns. Yeah, maybe that's what happened. Quite frankly, I think it's very concerning that people who might have something to say are being involuntarily committed after they just went through a trauma. I'll not forget the information that's come out proving that the lies they spread about what happened at that festival have been exposed by Haaretz themselves. Now, getting into what they're still saying about these people, here is Hen Mazig, one of these extreme propagandists throughout since October 7th, saying this, this another uh, Eden, which one of the people that they, they brought back, one of the bodies, was buried today. Hamas stole her future, abused her, and executed her in captivity. So now we're just adding on narratives about how, so how do you know that they were abused? The point is, this is becoming aggressive. This is making my skin crawl. Now, people are going to attack someone like me for simply questioning this, when in reality, it should make you sick that these people are using your family members to achieve an end when you know they're being lied about. Listen to the people who've come home already. They already told you what happened to these people. And now they're in just folding in that they were abused as well when everybody else who's come back has said they were treated well. On top of that, already blaming Hamas without any evidence to the fact, to, to, the, to, to claim that. Makes me sick. Now, how about, the let's not also factor this in. These people came back because the IDF found them. Is it not possible they were also killed by the IDF? It's just amazing how much people will blindly take at face value a narrative that they are already invested in. Now, we already talked about this to begin. The freed Israeli captives have admitted more fear of IDF bombs than Hamas itself. Now, here's the article itself. Let's go through some of these points. Oh, of course, I lost the highlighting. Let's just kind of find it real quick. So it says, uh, we know for sure, that's what I was telling you, and this is the actual uh, tweet itself right here, where she's speaking on the record. I showed you earlier <laughs> that we know for sure that three people were killed by our fire, meaning Israel's fire. Three hostages. Interesting now that we're getting three bodies back, they're claiming we're abused by Hamas. Now it says Dan's, this is Dan is this woman here. Her name is Noam Dan. Her comments appear to confirm a statement delivered from captivity in Gaza by the 34-year-old Israeli citizen Yarden Bibas. Addressing Netanyahu, which he doesn't care about. She said that the Israeli military had killed his wife and his two children in an airstrike. Or excuse me, he, he, that's the abductee. He said that they had killed his wife and the two children. I'm sorry, I just, I just said the wrong person. It's the, per, the this is, and here, this I have open right here. Or which, is that the one right there? Let me make sure. 
Oh, that's right. This is the one. So we have that. That's what I was going to say. So this is a good point to make about how the Wayback Machine and everything else is being aggressively deleted. So this was a report coming directly from this platform. Oh, wait, damn it. Which one was it? No, this, this, this went out on a, a plot. A, I think it was either I-24 or one of those platforms where they were speaking publicly. Now, this got removed from Twitter, even though, and, and not only from Twitter, but both the Wayback Machine backups are also gone. All that tells me is that something is trying to remove this from view. You don't remove two separate Wayback Machines archive versions of it in addition to what was on Twitter, unless there's something else. That's my personal opinion. But anyway, the point was, this is all public information that she is discussing. So there's not just one person, but what she's saying aligns with what the person in, in, uh, uh, in captivity in Gaza said, which was, he pleaded for the prime minister to negotiate for the release of their bodies. Remember, I already told you this. Hamas was trying to send them back before the ceasefire ended. And that's what ultimately broke the ceasefire. I argue they were desperate not to let this conversation become public. They're still using the Bibas family as propaganda tools. It says Bibi talking to Netanyahu. He said directly, you destroyed my family. You killed my wife and my children. Everything in my life. I am begging you, please bring my wife and children home. Now, just for the record, for those that are new, we already talked about this when we first covered this on this show. So watch this show. You'll see the clip we're talking about. It's since been removed. I think that's very telling. This keeps happening. Twitter's allowing all sorts of grotesque, abs- just graphic bombs and people being exploded. But of course, you can't allow something like this because that's outside the Trump service, right? Interesting. But it goes on to say, freed Israeli captives have also delivered harrowing accounts of the massive Israeli bombings they endured. <clears throat> Excuse me. According to a Facebook post by Israeli television producer, Haggai Levy, from the reports of the returning abductees, it is repeated that the most horrifying captivity and trauma, uh, the trauma they experienced was the IDF bombings. <clears throat> Pardon me. Here is his post from Facebook. And you can, this, is his, this is his account. You can check for yourself. It says, reports of the returning hostages coming back and, and rising that apparently the most horrific prisoner trauma they have experienced were the IDF bombings. When they talk about them, they literally shake in front of him. The terms are of hell, of death, of an earthquake, of noise from another planet, which also caused permanent hearing damage. This is not Hamas doing this. They fear of being killed by returnees. Oh, they, they, the fear of being killed by returnees was zero compared to the fear of dying by, in a bomb. Of course, the very thought that one who was supposed to save you is the one who's supposed to kill you is a trauma-enhancing element. Obviously. It goes on to say, number two, from all these testimonies, it is clear that in many other cases, this fear did come true, meaning many of them did die from IDF bombings. And at some point when all the war propaganda produced by the IDF spokesperson and his people, many that's one of the persons we're talking about here, people we're talking about, that control almost all media, it is appropriate to have here a true report about all the tens of people in this disaster that died by the IDF. Tens of people, seemingly similar amount that we're being told they just discovered, kidnapped, that were injured in bombings, civilians that were shot on Black Saturday. These are all IDF killings he's talking about. Soldiers that fell in German gunfire, 
Without this truth, which is better than all the sowing of doubts in the counter-propaganda, no healing process can begin. This is a person from Israeli media. The biggest threat floating right now, it says, over the heads of the kidnapped is a military operation to rescue them. Just so you make sure you understand that. They're saying their biggest fear while they were there is the fact that they were being rescued by the IDF because of the way this was being done. You can't miss what they're saying. At best, that means they know they don't care about them. And yet we're over here debating whether that's the case when they tell you that's the case or that by stating this, it makes you an anti-Semite. I mean, think about how wild this is. The families of the kidnapped and everyone around them need to scream and scream and do everything to prevent such an operation. That's what they're currently doing. And that's what they're saying they're doing it for. We're doing this for you to bring your back. When they're going, stop what you're doing. Scream at them. Stop what they're doing. His chance of ending up in a mass slaughter is about a hundred times that of his success because of the IDF. I will mention only one name here. He says, uh, Nashlon and, and Waxman, the blood of the victims of such an operation, like the blood of Waxman, will be on the hands of anyone who decides at a military or political level to gamble on the lives of the hostages in the name of ego, strategy, and principles. It's just crazy. The, the, this is what the Israeli population is saying. Stop. You're killing us. Stop. Your ego is getting in the way. Any Military or political, anything other than ceasefire is against what they want. And of course, this gets deleted, removed, and you don't get to see it anymore. Now, let's realize, as, as, as this image shows, even Biden's own staff is demanding a ceasefire out front of the White House, which is probably one of the, you know, Straws broke the camel's back in regard to getting them to finally admit this was a genocide. Or more specifically, call for cease. Or they haven't even done that, quite frankly. It's really about saying, admitting they're bombing indiscriminately. But in this discussion, we went over the, the rounding up and executing of civilians at the school, which they then pretended were all a bunch of Hamas members. We talked about the obvious reality that these people that they had stripped and, and put on the ground by the way, who has that has now been completely proven to be not from tunnels underneath like Mossad pretended, as they even tweeted out, but from the school that is right there, a bunch of doctors and teachers and average civilians, and everybody's calling this out. People all over the world are pointing out, that's my friend, that's that's a doctor, that's the they, they all this these were not Hamas members. And it's even been admitted by Israeli media, walking it back to 10%. Right at the beginning, it was, they're all Hamas. And everyone that you would expect came out and said, look at all the Hamas members. And look, you can tell doctors are there. That means that doctors are Hamas. Well, no, you, the, the lie was that they're Hamas. And then it got walked back, 85%, where they said, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Only, only about 10 to 15% are actually affiliated with Hamas, which doesn't even mean they're Hamas. My point was, well, affiliated in the eyes of the Israeli government, as by the way, we just showed you, nobody there is innocent, is simply being present in Gaza or being Palestinian. Or both. So obviously, it's easy to say they're affiliated. They're there. But this was, all of them are Hamas, but then, oh wait, only 10%. That's quite the walk back in one day, right? But it gets even worse as you then catch them using fake information. Where they, get, they film this twice. First of all, the absurdity of pretending that these people who they already stripped down somehow have guns to walk out and lay down. How embarrassing. That's how bad they are at this, apparently. I don't know how they ever got any propaganda out. But on top of that, that they get caught filming it twice. As you can see in this one, 
he's got a gun in the other hand. And you can the video is not flipped. You can clearly see that it's going this way. In this one, the gun is in the other hand. Oops. How embarrassing. And they deleted the other one, right? This guy gets caught posting this and then deleting it because they lied. I mean, it's just, it's just so continually blatant. So the point is we talked about that. <clears throat> now, really quickly, this is the frustrating thing we keep seeing. I'm not sure who this person is, but Douglas Ma Mur uh, Mary Murray here has almost seven, almost 800,000 followers. Here's what he says about these people. I, I didn't even look at what the Sun article says. Probably the same BS. Oh, okay. just literally citing what he says. Why are all the fuss over stripping of Hamas terrorists? Oh, you mean the doctors and teachers that you pretended were Hamas? That even the IDF walked back to only 10% affiliated with Hamas? Like, how embarrassing, guys. But this is my point. The lie will circle the world twice before the truth even gets its boots on, to quote Mark Twain. Paraphrase, anyway. So, he simply goes, amazing how the same people who weren't bothered about Israeli women being raped, which again, by the way, has not been proven. It has not been proven. There is no provable evidence. They've already used fake images. They've already been caught lying about where things happened and ultimately have zero forensic evidence, even according to their people. Has not been proven. I've never maintained that it didn't happen. But people like this who state that it has, when you can prove that they haven't proven it, is embarrassing, which means they're just going along to get along, which is probably why he's got so many followers. The point, though, people who weren't bothered about the thing that seems to have not happened or you can't prove happened, furious about Hamas men in their underwear. Again, see, it's obvious that he went along with the other narrative because he's going along with this one, too. Or he's not smart enough to think beyond what they state is something without any due diligence. Let's not forget, they've already admitted that's not true. But then you got Billboard Chris, which probably should just stick to COVID-19, says that's what do leftists want them to do? It's always the binary two-party paradigm that messes people's minds up, but march them out in full gear so they can blow themselves up? Right, you know, going back to the old you, you know, terrorist bomb, you know, suicide bomber, unaware of the real history on where that really comes from. These guys invited Israel to come and kill them. Oh, did they? Right, just stick to COVID, man. You don't know what you're talking about here. They're fortunate they're being treated so kindly. Wow. This is sad, guys. I mean, it's disgusting. Not only are these not Hamas terrorists, but to act like even a member of a terrorist group should be dehumanized, it reveals who you really are, sadly enough. But let's forget, let's not forget, they're not what they said they were. And here is the same point. So again, let's just be clear. Not only have they, again, they walked this back, but it's already been proven under, definitively that they lied about what they were doing. They faked videos about them. And almost every single one of these people has been identified as, as some other element. Now, what they've tried to do is go, all that proves is that Hamas is everywhere. Well, the only thing out of all of that that hasn't been proven is that they're Hamas. You, you're going off what Israel says even though we already proved that they've been lying about many different things, as, as Haaretz has broken down. Actually, I should include that. I think it's this one right here. Maybe not. Nope, that's the other one. Hold on, I got it right here. Just for those that especially don't know that these have been they've, you know, broken down even by Haaretz, I'll include this here. And this goes over all of it. The, ma the Hamas massacre dragged the spread of, uh, of atrocities that not all happened in reality. This is the Hebrew version. It's much more honest and specific than the one that's in English. But it's very clear. 
40 petted babies didn't happen. It's a lie. Not just that it's not proven, but it's a lie. The baby in the oven didn't happen. They've proven that's not true. And yet the guy from Zaka still says it. The guy they keep citing as proof of these things or the rape allegations he's also saying, which they have not proven. Or, or any number of things. That's Owen Jones from, I think, The Guardian, if I remember correctly, said he went and saw the screening they showed. Remember that? Actually, I include that too, I bet. There it is. So here's the video. He goes over it. It's a 25-minute video. Just breaking down what he says. Dilly Hussan breaks it down. You can watch it for yourself. He says, after watching it, he saw no proof, not evidence, but no, well, in this case, there's no evidence of that either, but no proof of beheaded babies at all. No proof of Hamas killing children. No proof of rape. No proof of beheading humans alive. Hamas, at, and, and that's the interesting part. Is you, I've already shown this as well. Hamas members literally asking partygoers whether or not they were soldiers. So again, an individual like we've seen in any war conducted by the West, is capable of breaking off and raping and pillaging and stealing because that happens in every war, disgustingly enough, which is why we don't want war as civilians, the governments do. I wonder why. But the point is that the core mandate seems to have been not to, which seems to be backed up by what generally seems to continue to happen. Not to say good or bad, but just acknowledging what we can prove. The point is, Owen said he saw none of these things. Even though we see people coming out of that same room going, it proved everything. I saw rape and I saw it. And they are doing that. So he was confused by that. And he said, okay, well, I didn't see any of that. So maybe he missed it. He calls the UK journalist. The UK journalist goes, I didn't see it either. He calls an American journalist. American journalist says, I didn't see it either. So what this proves, guys, is that there is a systematic lie, uh, deception going on. People are being put to lying. People claiming that they saw a very specific woman with a very specific setting on the ground at the festival, which has been proven to have been from 2022. So people are lying, guys, which is disgusting. It's despicable, reprehensible, but it's happening. And yet we're getting attacked for simply calling it out. Now, back to the point. All the lies about the atrocity propaganda, right? So my point is they're lying about this too. Now, today, or yeah, excuse me, yesterday, they rolled out another one. And guess what? It also very quickly got caught for lying. First, let's listen to what he said. Israel repeats its call for remaining Hamas terrorists to surrender, as so many, but not enough, have. I, quite frankly, I don't think a single member of Hamas has surrendered. What he's mentioning is what we just proved to you was not. And even they walked back to 10%, 15%, even just only affiliated. And he's still, the next day, just rolling it back out. He must know that they walked it back, but it doesn't matter. You know why? Because he probably doesn't think that most Westerners are going to see that Haaretz article. So it's aimed at you in English because he's trying to propagandize the West. Earlier. Over 70 terrorists emerged from the Kamal Adwan hospital. Okay. Weapons in hand. Weapons in hand. So, do you realize what just happened there? Let me see if I can grab that Mossad tweet real quick. Is that the one? I hope so. Yep. One of them anyway. Really quickly. Here. Damn it, that's not the one I want, actually. Well, you're, the point is the Mossad posted this, and they said they crawled out of the tunnels. Let me see if I can just get that. 
Yeah, I don't think that's the right one. Well, in any case, the point is they claim they crawled out of the tunnels. And now he's saying that they came out of the hospital, right? Because it got exposed because people caught them in a lie and they just adjust it. It's very reactive. So this is one of the first points where you see what basically something gets stated. We prove it's a lie. And then they come out the next day and the, the, the lie has just been altered a little bit. And it's like, how strikingly obvious is that? You can't just pretend it was tunnels and then the next day say a hospital. Because that's a lie. I mean, but people just don't care, I guess. Surrendered. The Israeli Defense Forces releasing this image just minutes ago. Those terrorists were apprehended and transferred to field interrogators from Israeli military intelligence and the Shin Bet for further questioning. We think it is outrageous that international officials from the World Health Organization and elsewhere are yet to condemn or even express concern about Hamas converting hospitals in the Gaza Strip into military bases. You, you, know, you know why? Because you haven't proven any of that. Like, look, just because, let's just say everything they've said was true, it still doesn't prove anything because you have no evidence other than a secondhand video recording of organized guns on a ground somewhere. On top of that, it's already been proven many times that you guys are lying about any number of other things. The Shifa Hospital story, as much as people don't want to hear that, was a spectacular failure. The, they lied about the tunnel, they faked multiple angles of the tunnel, and they contradicted each other. And then they literally just walked away from it, even though the BBC called them out for staging one of the areas. They're lying. So why the point is that it's amazing to me that they just call back, they go, the UN just won't condemn the thing that they know we haven't proven, as if that's going to drive them to do it more. It's it's almost, it's it screams desperation. It's reactive to what happened before. Usually propaganda is what comes first. They're reacting to the story and pumping out press like secondary propaganda. That, that, that's what it looks like to be losing control of the narrative. To them, we say you have not only let us down, you've not only let Palestinians and the Gaza Strip down, you've let down the whole world and the whole architecture of global governance because this terrorist abuse of hospitals has been happening under your watch. As well as the fact that we can prove the Shifa hospital itself, which I actually just brought up accidentally, was the underground tunnels were built by Israel while the hospital was active. Yeah, so accuse them of that which you are guilty seems to be a classic tactic here. Or the fact that you can prove that Israel's used hospitals or mosques or schools numerous times just since October 7th. But on top of that, long before. That's not to say that Hamas hasn't, but in this case, all I care about is what we can prove right now. And on top of that, they have never proven that. I've made this point many times. I'll make the human shield point again in a minute. The UN investigated their allegations and did not find any evidence to the fact. That doesn't mean they didn't do it. It just means they did not find evidence. So at best, it ends up being Israel repeats the same claim with nothing to back it up. While we can prove Israel has done it many, many times. And you continue to cover up for it and be complicit with this abuse of protected facilities through your shameful silence. We call on all Hamas terrorists in the Gaza Strip to surrender. It will uh, speed up the decisive end of this war if they come out with their hands above their heads, preferably <laughs> with a white flag. Right, right. It'll it'll speed up the uh, uh, the, the war process <laughs> or the assassination that he was probably going to say right there. Right. It'll speed up our our effort to just annihilate everybody. That like, are we really going to pretend if they accidentally shot three hostages that they're going to not shoot Hamas members? Seems kind of ridiculous, doesn't it? But. 
As I simply said, your propaganda is very reactive, a desperate knee-jerk response to what was exposed the day before, largely why so many see through it. All right, so the point is that they come out and they, we, they get exposed for faking this and staging a video. So they respond very quickly by coming out and saying, no, here's Hamas using the things that we said they were and the, the challenge is what you claimed you exposed yesterday and then get caught again. Literally taking two takes of the same video and doing this more than once. Like, think about how embarrassing this is. And if you can see, basically, you can see the same thing where you've got the same angle on the video. And the point is that they film this more than once. The same th- four people. Find the same four people going to a different angle doing the same thing. Oops. So, Lord Bebo posted this, I believe. That's where the video came from. The point is how many times... Well, I mean, let's just take the most obvious. As we just caught them yesterday, the day before, lying about one, filming it twice, people in their underwear somehow producing a gun from somewhere. Like, it's so blatantly obvious. It's not... Is it not... I mean, it's just as possible that these people are average civilians they've pulled out and told to hold guns which by the way we just saw happen so it's amazing that we can't connect these dots or some people choose not to and here is one of the examples as well a young man in his fourth year medical school is a student name is nasir imad al madhoun was a trained volunteer at kamal adwan hospital since the beginning of the aggression in gaza then the Israeli army arrested him and, under, uh, and another nurse and forced them to act out this scene as members of the resistance surrendering and handing over their weapons. And this is him, by the way. I've been talking to norm- numerous people that have pointed this out. The point is that they are pretending that this is, pr- uh, rather, they're using these people they've kidnapped from these hospitals, as they just told you, and marching them out with guns they provide. And then, which is hilarious, here's 116. This is, the, this is from the 14th, right? Boom. An hour later, boom, Eli David takes the same image and goes, hey, meet Nasir. He's a talented multitasker, a physician, and a terrorist. See my point? That's reactive. We have no evidence to suggest these people are Hamas, other than Israel saying so. Or rather, no proof. The evidence that we argue is a video, but of course, we've proven that they're lying about this. They filmed it twice. They've lied about the angle. They did it yesterday and the day before. So now, basically, because they claim they're all Hamas, that means that anybody who's there with their other job means you can prove that Hamas is everywhere. The point is, it's embarrassingly reactive. These people are clearly being directed in some way, takes the same images and goes, boom, no, they're terrorists who surrendered. Even though they've already walked back the claims from before. And let's not forget, we already showed you this was on the 12th, that they've literally marching these people out in their underwear when it's probably freezing outside, using them as human shields, which, by the way, has been reported by many of them who have been let go, that they were not only used as human shields, but they were made to wear certain things and marched into buildings ahead of them. Which, by the way, is a pro- is something they do all the time. And let's not forget, oh, actually, I'll, I'll just show you this quickly. They already got caught for this. This was, this was in the West Bank on November 10th where they were using a Palestinian as a human shield. They, they just don't care. 
They know that the people that are going to blindly defend them are going to say you're a liar and ignore it. But that's, they're losing that control. How, how crazy obvious is that? Now, here's why I made the, brought this up. Again, Eli David. So they get caught lying about these people. They roll out another fake argument about people surrendering and proclaim they're all Hamas. They get caught using those people as human shields. The same thing. Eli's Mr. Next Day Reactive Propagandist rolls out with another thing. Palestinian Authority official says Hamas uses women and children as human shield. Okay. As I said, the same Palestinian Authority that's been called out as a tool of Israel's by Palestine for years. First point, which again, Robert has covered. This is back. Uh, this one was just from July. Israel's attack on Janine failed. So Tel Aviv uses the Palestinian Authority to do its dirty work. Robert's been calling them out for a very long time. This goes back to 2021. Israel and the PA are provoking a new war on Gaza. So just so you understand that, like how dumb it is to pretend that that means this is another tool of Israel, just like Hamas was been funded by Israel. But it says, your, I wrote, your embarrassingly reactive propaganda is obvious. This is on the heels of the IDF caught again using human shields. Right? So first of all, you're going to blindly take the PA, right? But then secondly, he was just pointing out, Eli was, that the PA was claiming support for Hamas. Did you not realize how dumb this all is and how reactive? So if you don't think they're a tool of Israel before, now you probably should. Seeing as how 10 seconds ago they were going, we support them all. Oh, wait a minute. We don't like them today. They use human shields because that seems to meet some necessary propaganda point. And then realize that they're just a tool of Israel. And that's probably why it's happening. But does he like care? Does any of these people care? Well, on that point, I'll include the conversation of the open secret of Israel using human shields. The open secret. It's a good discussion. It's a long show. But I'll also include the, uh, oh, I didn't, it looks like I didn't have the Rumble video in there. Let me grab it for you. It's about 17 minutes long. I just did a, a breakdown of just the human shield point. But then I obviously have just play the beginning of this, the clip that I've played before. 2013, Palestinian children tortured, used as shields by Israel per the United Nations. Reuters. Israeli soldiers who used Palestinian boy, a nine-year-old, as human shield avoid jail. Defense for Children International, an international human rights group. Israel forces use five Palestinian children as human shields. That's 2023. This is from 2017. Generally, human shields. Since the beginning of the occupation in 1967, Israeli security forces have repeatedly used Palestinians in the West Bank and the Gaza Strip as human shields. Israeli soldiers... Now, Elon Levy, again, today, after this, after the exposure of them, both of them just reacting to the fact that we just caught them using human shields. Now, the United Nations comes out and says schools, medical, and UN facilities are not and never and should never, ever be a target. You know why? Because that's the actual international law. That's why collective punishment was created in the sense that you should not be able to say, well, bad guys are there, so let's just bomb all of them. Except if Israel does it, then it's called international law. But it says, unfortunately, in Gaza, they have quite often become just that. Well, except the fact that you haven't proven that at all, ever, other than showing a bunch of secondary images of guns on the ground that even the BBC caught you faking. But it says, the UN uh, Director General says, you've heard me many times say this. No place has been spared, not even places that normally should be protected by laws of war. Meaning... The UN's telling you that the Israel government is not following the rule of the laws of war. But on top of that, 
that you can clearly see that they have been bombing everything, including where they say is safe, including where they tell them to go to get to a safe place, including where they were before, and including the Rafa crossing where they might be able to leave in general. And using dumb bombs and mass assassination AI programs and openly telling you that they're bombing civilians, openly telling you no one is innocent. But let's keep debating whether they are not only killing Hamas, right? But I said not even the U.S. government is maintaining the absurd claim that their presence, let alone merely the allegation, which is all you have, is enough to make it a lawful target. But you know this. And it's why you keep incessantly claiming the opposite because nobody is buying it. Like ask yourself why they keep saying it over and over and over because everybody else is challenging it. But they're just pretending like it's just a smug acceptable. Well, of course we know that. No, we don't. Nobody believes you. And this is what even the Jerusalem Post discussed. The International Criminal Court puts the burden on Israel to prove that they're using human shields. This was on October 31st. You don't just get to make the allegation and bomb anything you want. That's what they're doing. Nobody's backing. Not even the United States government is backing them anymore. Not really. And here is Beth Selim, an Israeli human rights group making it clear. I read it on the clip there. But since the beginning of the occupation, Israeli security forces have repeatedly used Palestinians in the West Bank and Gaza Strip as human shields, ordering them to perform military tasks that risk their lives. But we'll just plug our ears and stomp our feet until we hear something that mentions Hamas, right? Well, Elon Levy also comes out, reactive, right? So after all of this information, everything we're seeing, exposing that they're hypocrites, exposing that their double standards are clear. He says, Hamas just fired rockets at Jerusalem, triggering a red alert siren on the Temple Mount, including the Al-Aqsa Mosque. Nothing is sacred for Hamas. Okay, so eluding, basically implying that they aimed at the Al-Aqsa Mosque which, by the way, is the central point in one of their most obvious prophecies around how this is going to be destroyed and rebuilt. Interesting that that begins. First of all, as I said, but wait, weren't you the one telling us that they commit war crimes by firing rockets because those rockets are unguided? Because they are, by the way. So how exactly did they target anything? <laughs> That's a mistake he made. And assuming this even actually happened, that is, let's not forget, they have used this many times in the past. They put on the sirens and they take action. My point is nonetheless, I'm not de debating ultimately. And what you're looking at there, by the way, is Iron Dome shooting into the sky. Or could be a rocket, but that is just the way it would look because these rockets lose propulsion after a while and you, don't even, you can't even see it in the sky. So you know how easy it is for them just to pretend they did something? But my point is, why would this happen now? It's certainly possible that and likely that Hamas will be firing rockets as they're being completely genocided. But knowing that that wouldn't really do much, in fact, even knowing that that might even make do this happen, my real point is to, first of all, pretend that they're aiming in any way, let alone at the Al-Aqsa Mosque, nothing is sacred for them, but whether or not this, this would be something that they would abuse and realizing that if you're... Firing unguided bombs or unguided dumb bombs into there, you're into Gaza, you're guilty of the same thing you claim they're guilty of, unless you want to pretend they're aiming at the Al-Aqsa Mosque, so you just ignore that they don't have that, but or they don't use them. But the real point we should understand here, through all of the lies, is that they have been caught lying, as I've told you about all of it. The core arguments about what's happening here. 
how this started, who was involved, what they did before it ever started, all the things they claim they saw afterward, what they're currently doing to people in Gaza, including the Palestinians and their own people. But as, a, as Raphael Shimanov uh, points out, remember when Israel's own newspaper of record debunked more than half the claims of October 7th? And this just goes through these points. It's showing you Haaretz, but it goes through all the things we talked about. And this is just, these are just images that are re reciting what the Haaretz article talked about, which I've included for you. 40 petted babies, ch the children hung on clotheslines, baked in an oven, pregnant and kidnapped, ate burnt babies, pregnant, oh, stomach cut open, child executed while hiding. All these things have been shown to be false that, by Haaretz. On top of that, we can prove one of the things they keep denying. At least in any sense, you know, like we can with anything we've discussed, question everything, of course. The Lancet recently came out with a study. No evidence of inflated mortality reporting from Gaza. No evidence. Which I think is important. I mean, of course, you could, they could be lying. They could be wrong. Like anything else all the time. But what's interesting is all you get is Israel going fake news. Sort of like the COVID discussion, right? When everything else aligns, your vision, like literally what you can see, what they're saying in Gaza, what the members from Israel who are back home said while they were there, everything they're admitting to people offline or to anonymous articles or just publicly stating to Hebrew outlets, everything. And now a Lancet article that goes, yeah, we did our research and it does add up with what they did. And historically, they seem to always add up within a close reasonable amount to what Israel later says. But because it shows 20,000 people being killed that are innocents, they fake news. We won't talk about it. And nor do the governments that act like they care. And sadly enough, as Saeed Mohammed points out, Israel's calling it mowing the grass. Westerners calling it self-defense. Everyone else just calls it genocide. And as Electronic Intifada points out, Israeli snipers are killed. This is an in specific location, right? In the Gaza hospital. But this is what's been going on per numerous people. Even some of the idea or uh, hostages in the same way, arguing indiscriminate bombing. Israeli snipers kill everyone who moves. So very possibly their own hostages in the same way. And here's an example of how they just indiscriminately execute people, even roll up on them and shoot them on the ground just to make sure they're dead. This is from Betselem, an Israeli human rights group. Original security camera footage obtained by Betselem captures two short-range executions of a Palestinian uh, in, in this area on December 8th. So they shoot him down. This is, this is a, a young kid. They roll up on him. Now watch. They shoot him on the ground numerous times. I mean, that's wild. That's an execution. That's what that is right there. That's an execution. This is what we're dealing with. Jonathan Cook, I wanted to reiterate what he reported about what ex-ambassador Craig Murray just said. Now, this is really important if you didn't hear this before. He said yesterday he attended the session called by Palestine at the United Nations. Over 120 states attended. While the formal session consisted of statements of national position with few surprises, he said he was surprised he was able to discuss with a large number of delegates in the corridors why the genocide convention had not been activated. Something Sam Husseini has been really ringing that bell, trying to get people to pay attention, which, tr which is triggering a reference to the International C Court of Justice. 
He says, the answer is now clear to me. It is not, this is Craig Murray saying this, the answer is now clear. It is not that people are worried that a claim of genocide would not be successful in the International Criminal Court. It's in fact the opposite, that everyone is quite sure that it will succeed, meaning they know what's happening. They know that people are being murdered in real time. And they just don't want to be, they don't want to be involved. They don't want to get the ire, the seat, draw the ire of Israel. That's disgusting. That video just started playing. And it says, again, the problem, or rather they're quite sure that it will succeed. He said, there is no respectable argument that this is not genocide. That's the truth. And they all seem to know that. Yet they have all of their sycophants screaming at you the opposite on Twitter. The problem is that once the ICJ has determined that this is genocide, it follows that not only are Netanyahu and hundreds of senior Israeli officials and military personalities are military personally liable, but it is absolutely plain and and evident that genocide Joe Biden, Sunak, members of their administrations are criminally liable for complicity having provided military support for the genocide the international criminal court cannot ignore a judgment of genocide from the international criminal court of justice and will have no choice but to issue arrest warrants which i'm sure they will disregard but think about how how interesting and powerful that is we have never seen that in our lifetimes if ever and so my point is they're not going to do that They're going to make sure that doesn't happen because they don't care about your life. They don't care about your interests. They care about their power and their interests. With, you know, I would love to see an exception. I always hope that I'm wrong. Just quite frankly, don't see it. But we are capable of making that happen should we want to. The peoples collectively of the world. But just to add to this, somebody I saw somebody in Rumble Chat pointing this out to start. This is from this 2016. Ex-Abu Ghraib interrogator says on the record, Israelis trained the U.S. to use what they call the Palestinian chair torture device. So you need to see, we need to understand how real this is. What the Zionist government really is and what they're capable of and how your governments have always known that. Just like the way they work with all the rest of the bad people around the world. Right, the, the the funding and arming and training of the Al Qaeda's and the Al Nusra's and the ISIS elements that they literally provably have created, armed and funded, just like happened with Hamas, because it works for them, as we've said many times. These elements, the Western elements, Israel, the United States, have for a long time funded, armed, the most radical elements of what they claim they're fighting. Why? Because the people that are not as crazy as them don't want to just bend over to what these governments want. So they go to the crazies, right? That's how this works. And they share torture tactics. Now, to finish, I want to talk about this. I've had this on on the back end for a while, and I just want to make sure I I just address this at some point. I've made my comments about it here and there. But it's so insulting to the intelligence of anybody to have people claiming that Anything as simple as free Palestine always means, one, just the end of Israel, or as ridiculous as it gets, kill all the Jews. Because realize, the people that are saying free Palestine, 
by and large. Like As I said, you could always find an element of what they said. There's always going to be some crazy out there. My point is, by and large, if you listen to what they discuss, if you actually look at what they've written down by the groups, like the Jewish Voices for Peace, they want a two-state solution, which implies ver- like on- explicitly that there's an Israel. They just want a free Palestine, which is clearly what some of the people actually don't want. So it's almost like, an, in my opinion, it's almost like a reverse, like they're admitting, like we keep talking about, what they actually secretly feel, which is they don't want, ever want a free Palestinian state. Now, so I'm not saying that's what this person feels. I'm talking about the Israeli government. But my point here is that this, for the podcast, this, this girl posts this image of a, of a, of a person that's taking off a mask that says free Palestine and beneath it, her forehead says, kill the Jews with a Nazi tattoo on her eye. Like talk about just what a cartoon this is. And I simply added this. I said, it's amazing that you can suggest such a thing when those who you are claiming feel this way, explicitly state the opposite. When we go over to your pals in Ukraine, where they openly say these things, we get told we don't understand. Well, someone sure doesn't. I just made this to make a point. Right. Or quite frankly, this is another one that I, that this, this would make just the same point, but might be a little bit too contentious. A little bit more on the nose, right? When you can clearly tell like the Lehigh party or the Zionist party and the Zionist elements twice try to align themselves with Nazi Germany or are currently and have been for a long time funding the Azov movement, open neo-Nazis and real Nazis in Ukraine. But let's not pretend like that's completely contradictory. The real thing, though, guys, is that this is broad stroke. It is ignorant and it's insulting. And as I let's see what I wrote for myself here. Oh, and I'm actually glad that I remember this. So this is interesting. OK, so their argument is somebody says free Palestine, therefore means they want to get rid of Israel or more ridiculously kill all the Jews, which they'd say is kind of the same thing. If you don't want Israel, that means the Jews don't. Well, that's not true. Jews live all over the world. So you're the only one making about Israel is only like the point is, let's not forget, there's plenty of Orthodox Jews in the world that argue and is the reality that Zionism is not Judaism. Zionism is a political party. Zionism is what gave, uh, as Abi Shalom discusses, that the, the state of Israel is what first gave territorial dimensions to the Zionist agenda. Which, as he also discusses, the very same Zionist elements were bombing Iraqi Jews to convince them to go to Israel under the guise that it was Muslims that were bombing them. This is all historical documented stuff. The reality being that it's we have to understand, really, that the dynamic has been very muddied over the years that we're talking about. Well, I mean, I don't have to go as far back as that. The point is really what we're at today is that it's an occupied territory. And they've been fighting for their own self-determination, which has been suppressed at every turn by the Israeli government, which we now can prove. Saying that we have to keep funding Hamas because that will guarantee they don't get a state. Or the fact that we can have now on the record, let me grab that too, I'll just include it, as we just showed yesterday, one of their people openly stating that we will never allow a two-state solution, that it's not even on the table. Right there. See if that's the one. Yeah, perfect. This one here, where he says, there will be no Palestinian state. We will never allow another state to be established. Okay. And he says very clearly between the Jordan and the sea, because it's okay for him to say that. It's okay. The point, though, guys, is that that means, and they're stating it publicly now, that they will never allow a two-state solution. You go back further, you find out, if you actually look through the information, that Netanyahu's caught on the record saying that he put poison pills in these deals to ensure that they wouldn't accept them. Then they blame them for not taking it. 
things like that. It's always been there. So I want to I want to pose this this overlap. Again, they're saying free Palestine means kill all the Jews. It's the same as saying free Syria somehow means kill all the Christians or more accurately kill the Americans because right Zionism is not Judaism. But the point is the US government's occupying Syria, right? So they have every right to want them out of there. And if people are calling for a free Syria, like a free Palestine, why would that then mean kill all the Americans? It just simply means by any number of ways to get there, a free Syria. See my point? But of course, it's all broad stroke because it's about propaganda and emotion and manipulation. Now, another actual way to look at it, since Israel is illegally occupying the Golan Heights, right? If I say free Syria or free Golan Heights, does that then mean kill all the Jews? Isn't that the same exact point? No, it means free the area they're illegally occupying. Simple as that. Now, the difference is because they argue that what these people are calling for is the removal of Israel. But again, that's not what they're saying. They want a two-state solution because what they're seeking, by and large, if you listen to them, is peace. That's what a ceasefire is about. All they do is that dumb image, and they go, wink, wink, they want to kill the Jews. That's what anything they're saying means. I mean, it's gotten so broad stroke that they say if you see a Palestinian flag, it means you hate the Jews. That is stupid. I mean, it's, it's intentionally ignorant. So if I say free Lebanon, since Israel's occupying Lebanese territory, does that mean kill all the Jews? Obviously not. Even more specifically, and this I think is the most important one. If I said, let's say we talk about Russia, because obviously a lot of people that are currently supporting what Israel's doing are also supporting the Ukraine agenda because that's connected and Israel's currently funding that agenda. Oh, I wonder why. The point is if I say free Ukraine, right? Free Ukraine. Get the Russians out of there. Does that then mean kill all Russians? Well, the point is, in some people's minds, it probably does. Those very same people, I bet you that's something they secretly think in some cases. My point would be, why would you assume that? Why would the assumption become, I mean, to eradicate all Russia because we're talking about the illegal occupier removing? That's how they see it. Understand, in the context of war, if it goes on for another 75 years, yeah, that'd be an occupation. But we've yet to see how this is going to resolve. Now, if Russia does not pull back from some of these territories that they have taken, and I'm not talking about Donbass and Crimea that have voted to be part of Russia, if they don't take, if they don't remove themselves from the places that are before this Ukraine, well, you could make the same argument. And maybe we'll end up doing that, that that's an illegal occupation. Now, in the same conversation, you could argue that that's for the best interest of the people. Which, I, either way, the point is I would argue it doesn't really matter. It's about the legal reality of it. And if, if the people want to vote to be part of Russia, that's different. I see my point here is the Palestinians do not want to be occupied by Israel. They want their own determination. Now, at one point, they wanted all of Palestine back, which would be their right. But they have long since put that away. So some of them don't, obviously. But in the majority of the conversation and the Palestinian resistance, they have called for some kind of a free state for themselves. You know, a real state, not some illusion where they have the same reality calling it something else, but real Navy, ports, military, self-representation at all the international bodies, an actual state that's independent of any Israeli control. But they will never allow that as they're now telling you. Now, another point that I'm not even going to get into that that was an interesting discussion about Zionism is I was talking about this with somebody else the other day. And it's interesting that we have a Zionist president in this country. A Zionist president. 
Now they act like that's normal, like it's some kind of a religious over. It's it's not. That's a political party. So that will be the equivalent of saying Germany has a U.S. Republican president. Wouldn't that seem strange? Wouldn't you go? Doesn't that mean the U.S. government is controlling Germany? Yeah, that would probably be what that means. That's not about Christians controlling Germany. It's about a government and a political entity controlling that. Now, it's not the same thing, obviously. It's very different. Zionism is not like the Republican Party in its entirety. But the point is, we're talking about a political entity that has influenced the government of the United States. They love to make it about hating a certain person or hating a certain ethnicity. It's not. It's about the obvious political influence on the outcome of your country's policy. Now, why that doesn't matter is beyond me, or why having a member of Congress show up in an IDF military uniform shouldn't be the most alarming thing you've ever seen. I don't, I do, it's because we're being lied to. Now, all that being said, let's go back and let's finish off today. Again, making sure you see that point from them telling you there will never be a two-state solution. Here's Eli David saying, the faces of modern anti-Semitism, which is just so hilarious to me. I quite frankly, in many cases, disdain these people. The policies they enact, the very woke mindset, like the the trans agenda that they forced on most of these people or allowed to take place. I don't agree with almost all of what these people are. That does, But the point is, it's hilarious to me to watch as these people act like what, the, with what they're saying is somehow not logical. And typically, this comes from a two-party paradigm perspective. All of a sudden, the right, who's already weaponized against the woke mindset, is just all too happy to come clumsily marching over the top and act like, we just can't stop laughing at how... And now it's actually already bled over into the fact that she's somehow a affirmative action hire and all these race points. It's just it's obviously meant to distract from the fact that these people are... What they're saying is the opposite of what they're making it out to be. What's hilarious to me, they're not, they're, they're not saying they're anti-Semitic. They're not saying that they hate Jews. All they're saying is that what people, when they say free Palestine, the context matters. You know why? Because it does. Because that's a very obvious thing to say. It's quite frankly juvenile to argue that you know for sure that anybody anywhere in the world who utters those words means kill Jews. And if you don't condemn that, then you kill Jews too. Like, did we really let that happen? This lady Stefanik is one of the most ridiculous people I've seen in Congress. She's like literally like so emotionally like shaking while she's, and she doesn't even listen to the responses half the time. They respond with a very clear statement that does answer the question, but because she did not get the exact binary answer she wanted, she acts like it did. I asked for yes or no. Well, they answered, lady, you're just not smart enough to hear the answer. Or you have an agenda that can't allow you to see it. But one of them's resigned. Two of them are still there. To make this very clear for those who don't know what's going on, the point is that they're putting this question to them. Do you condemn the calling for the killing of the Jews? And, you know, and, and calling for genocide of Jews? Well, obviously. I mean, that's a really stupid statement. It's like saying, do you condemn murder? It's like, well, there is a law against it. Clearly, it's not allowed. Clearly, a law is there. They have these things in place. If you're threatening violence against people, then clearly. However, if I come up and I say it's a beautiful day today, and then there's a week-long campaign about how wink-wink a beautiful day is a new Nazi term, which means kill all the Jews, which, by the way, it's as ridiculous as claiming the OK symbol or any of the rest of these things always mean what they want it to mean, or from the river to the sea, which, by the way, again, is in the Likud charter. And you, I, I just showed you Eli David making a statement about how from the river to the sea, it'll only be Israel. 
Whether or not you think that's what it should be, it's the same point. Palestinians think that's the way it should be in many cases. So it's the same point. All it means is that what you're claiming, if that's what you want it to be to mean in the hyperbolic sense, is that that means the removal of the other. Well, in that case, that's exactly what they're saying. That's literally on the record what they're saying. Eli said nothing else. In, but the reverse is that's what they're claiming they're saying when what they're actually saying is a two-state solution. Only one side is doing that. Only one side is saying they'll never allow it. But the side that's calling for an agreement with both to exist is the one being called racist, is the one being called anti-Semitic. Do you see how ridiculous this is? And these people are getting forced out of their jobs because of it, which again, I don't really like them anyway, but it's not okay, it's not right that they're being forced out for this reason. Now, Wyatt Reed points out, read the fine print to discover that 45% of these, what they're claiming, 2,031 anti-Semitic incidents they're using to marshal this whole momentum were actually what they call anti-Israel rallies, which by the way, is not the same thing as being against Jews. See, that's another conflation. You can be against the state of Israel without hating Jews, but they don't let you make that distinction because that's the, the whole point about conflating all these things is to make sure you can't criticize the state of Israel or their government or their policies or their actions which break the law. You must just be racist. See how that works? But here's the better point. They're not anti-Israel rallies. They're pro-Palestine. Now, I guarantee you there's an overlap there. But what you have to understand is that most of these people, as I'm not saying that because they're telling you, look at their signs, look at what they're calling for. They want a two-state solution. They want a peaceful resolution. So that's not anti-anything. That's pro-ceasefire, peace. And again, I guarantee there's an overlap. But for them to just broad stroke all of it, not only is just anti-Israel, but anti-Jew is what they've used to marshal all of this. And 45% of what they point at was that. I argue almost all of them were that. And see, they say, breaking the center on extremism has attracted has attract a staggering 2,000 anti-Semitic incidents. And they're all screaming about it. They're lying to you guys. And look at this. Look, at even Twitter broke this down. 905 of these anti-Semitic incidents were rallies in support of Palestine, which is not anti-Semitic. Now, of course, they're going to say, yeah, there's the left weaponizing, and maybe that's what you think it is. Just because the left or the right uses this and sometimes gets it to work, it's not always me. The point is some truth, whoever says it, and even if they're using it for their own agenda, which is dishonest, is still the damn truth. There is not your truth and my truth. There's the truth and there's lies or fallacies, however you want to look at it. Now, Alan McLeod also pointed this out back in November. They pointed this whole thing out. Long, This was Mint Press News, but this was a post from a claim by the ADL saying, remember, 400% skyrocketing anti-Semitism. Well, same thing then. They simply counted every pro-Palestine as anti-Semitic. I mean, you just can't call that honest. It's insulting. Here's Avi Lewis, one of many examples. You know, it, it shouldn't be missed on you that Jewish Voices for Peace is one of the primary elements in this conversation. Jewish voices for peace. And they're being called secretly wanting to kill all the Jews. Now, they don't blatantly put those two things next to each other. But what you'll see if you look at all of this, in all of these campuses, is one of the, the, the prominent elements in these protests are Jewish voices for peace. And other actual Jewish support uh, backed elements that are protesting this. 
They just don't have Jewish in their name, but they're all, that's what these, or a lot of these organizations are. Many of them aren't. Just people in support of Palestine. My point though, is one of those prominent elements are people that they're calling secretly Jew haters when they're Jewish voices for peace. Ben Shapiro called these people trash. You know, you really start to see what's really going on when you got the people who are calling you a Jew hater who start to denigrate Jews because they don't believe in what he's saying. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? Just in case. Just in case somebody wants to pretend that's, you know, like I'm making something up because that's a, you know, contentious statement. He, he, he shows an image of Jewish voices for peace who are called, it says Jews call for ceasefire. And they're peacefully sitting in and having a protest. Useful idiots for Hamas. Plus these trash people don't know how to wear their, their Jewish garb. Like what a horrible person. The idea that you're going to denigrate your Jewish people well, you're attacking other people for hating on Jews. Like, what a dis- you're just a, a double, like a hypocrite. I mean, so many people have been exposed by all this. Avi Lewis writes, I'm a Jew and I feel pretty safe, which doesn't necessarily mean that others aren't or undermining that other people feel. I mean, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prove, I can promise you, there are Jews that feel as a real threat. Why? Because they're listening to the ADL, they're listening to Ben Shapiro. They think there's a, a, Jew hunting element right around the corner because they're fighting for Palestine, which there are people that are bad people out there, but it's nothing that was what was before October. It's the, the point is right now, what they're using to claim that's happening is the fact that there are pro Palestinian protests out front their school. And because Ben tells them they secretly hate them, well, they cower in fear. Now, I'm not going to say that because of all this, there hasn't been an increase to some degree of acts in both ways. Acts against Palestinians have skyrocketed. They don't just they just don't cover that. But I will I, I can promise you that there are people who are acting in many cases against Jewish people because they're being manipulated by the very agenda that we're pointing out. Does understand that Zionism is the biggest contributor to anti-Semitism out there? They're the ones creating this dynamic that causes this to happen. Now, here, Avi Lewis says, I'm a Jew and I feel pretty safe. Two things make me feel unsafe. One, the sadistic, unending murder of Palestinian civilians by Israel, supported by U.S., U.K., Canada, etc. Two, the attacks from other Jews, like Ben Shapiro, meant to silence him and everyone, he says. Those two things stop? He says, I feel 100% safer. This funny, he says, hey, everyone, thanks so many for you for proving my second point so overwhelmingly, right? Because so many people down there called him a fake Jew for even saying this. That's his point. Now, Elon Levy, same thing. Reactive propaganda. First of all, Eaton points out, breaking new Palestinian public opinion poll, which, <laughs> like, how exactly do we think they're getting public opinion polls out of Gaza right now? Like, think about that for a second. If, if they even have enough energy in these generators to charge their phones, how, like, like, we're, like they're going to send something out on Facebook they're all going to respond to? Are you dropping leaflets where they're going to fill it out and put it in the mail? I mean, this is insulting to our intelligence, first of all. But a new Palestinian poll says 72% support what they write as the 10-7 massacre. Okay. Then it says support for Hamas triples in the West Bank. 82% supported the massacre. Support for, quote, armed struggle rises 10 points. Ah, and there you see the lie. They write massacre. 
What this means, just so it's clear, and this is an important point to end with, they support, well, I'm not going to speak to know what every individual person supports, but when you realize that the armed struggle point is what we're discussing, these people who cheered, for example, on the 7th, in the street that they highlight, you can't know, like, I'm not going to speak to what I know they said. So maybe they're cheering for bad things. But I would argue that most of them are cheering for their self-determination. The fact that this is one of the most powerful moments for them in fighting against the oppression, which again was a legally protected act, not killing of civilians or kidnapping of civilians or rape or murder of civilians or stealing from civilians. That's all still a crime, just like it is when the U.S. government military does it too. The point is that wouldn't probably in your mind invalidate all of the Iraq war. Now, would it? Even though it's an illegal war, first of all, but points the same. The reality is that occupied territories have the right to armed rebellion or armed struggle. Both are used. And so when Hamas went into illegal settlements, mind you, which is where they actually went into, that was a protected act until crimes are committed. And then those people should be held accountable for those crimes. So when they say support of the 10-7 massacre, do they support the killing of individual people or did they support the resistance against the occupation? Now, that may not matter to people who have an agenda, but of course that matters. There's a very different thing in supporting the legally protected act for self-determination and also then saying you don't condone when some of them killed individual civilians. The same way an American can say, I support the fundamental reason we're at war over here, but I don't support how they just killed that civilian or bombed that civilian area or X, Y, and Z that hurt civilians. How can we not see that? You can support the action without endorsing all of the peripheral things that happen around it. Same, and, oh, and then he says, this is what we're dealing with. The deadliest and most barbaric massacre of Jews since the Holocaust, supported by 72%. You see how we did that? Did they support killing of Jews or did they support the act of rebellion? To them, it's the same thing, or they know better, but they blend it together. So, and that's the same point. If you say Israel did X, Y, and Z, they go, Ryan thinks Jews did this. That's not what I said. In fact, I'm proving to the people who pay attention that Israel is not the state of the Jews, Israel's the state of Zionism. Even using a flag, it doesn't technically represent Jews. This is all about a political entity. And he publishes it again. Same thing. Same day, by the way. Rep rep repetitive propaganda. Daniel says, a huge majority of Palestinians in the West Bank and Gaza say that Hamas's decision to invade Israel was the correct decision. Ah, well, that's more accurate. He says the public opinion poll was conducted by the Palestinian Center of Policy. You see, so Daniel, even if he disagrees with this, at least is honest enough to frame this the right way. They support the offensive, the act of rebellion, which, by the way, whether you like it or not, is a legally protected act. The same way it'd be protected if Syrians rose up against the U.S. occupation, or Iraqis rose up against the U.S. occupation, or Afghanis rose up against the U.S. occupation, or, you know, on and on and on. Those would be legally protected acts if they were attacking military targets. I don't want that to happen. I don't want civilians, or rather, anybody to be hurt, Americans or otherwise. But that doesn't change the fact that it's a legally protected act. But here's what he says again. It's genuinely scary, the global denial about Palestinians' extremism problem. See how much projection is going on? Like, it's reactive. So this information's coming out showing you that people support the act of armed struggle, which is what that's really talking about. And he has to go, their extremism 
as the extremism of the Zionism party has never been more clear. The overwhelming majority of Palestinians support the 10-7 atrocities. See? Hardly. Now we've gone past just the idea that it's just about Jews collectively, and now you're going even further to say they support the horrible things that happened after the act. Even though we know most of those were lied about, Elon, and we know that, and even your media has proven that. This isn't part of your analysis of future solutions. We can't take you seriously. Well, maybe you just shouldn't be involved in the conversation, Elon. Here is the New York Post. It says, Dr. Evil, GWU Medical School Panel, defends Hamas's right of resistance. Oh, no. How, what terrible people to defend international law like that. The takeover of America's universities by Islamist terror enthusiasts is a sight to behold. One of these extreme, you know, MAGA right wing, whatever. She's, she's another Laura Loomer, as far as I'm concerned. My point is, that is a right. It doesn't matter whether you support it or not. If you don't think, how about the old saying they used to tell of, you don't like it, vote to change the law. <laughs> it is the law, mind you. Hamas or any Palestinian resistance has a right to armed rebellion. This is the most embarrassing part about all this. And they call it Islamist terror enthusiasts. The point is you're allowed to acknowledge that this is a legally protected act and also still consider what they did to be a crime in the, in the acts of civilians. They'll just see the point is they'll never allow this kind of nuance. They will never. You think they're going to talk about this in the election? This is the controlled conversation. You know why they were so desperate to keep this from being discussed? Because it invalidates what they're doing everywhere. All of their illegal occupations. Because every time anybody blinks at them in these places, they say terrorism. Well, guess what? It's not. I mean, obviously there could be terror. My point is that what they're pointing at are simply legally protected acts under international law. And they just can't let you know that. So you get these people in the pundit left-right paradigm who can't think past their own shoelaces when it comes to a, par a party talking point to call this doctor evil for literally acknowledging international law. Of course, the image shows uh, what they a Hamas member, I guess, moving somebody, with the implication being that it's later an atrocity happens. But see, that's what you always get because most of what they show you as atrocities were things they lied about. Either way, Hamas or Palestinian Islamic Jihad or any Palestinian literally has a right of resistance. And this is what I said to Piers Morgan. First of all, Mohammed Atif says, Hi, Piers. In your last couple of interviews, I think you've become too emotionally involved. Just my opinion. And he says, Possibly. I get angry when people try to deny or justify what happened on October 7th. Okay. Well, if they're trying to deny that people were hurt or that crimes were committed, then fair enough. But that's not what he's really talking about. I simply made this clear that there is a difference between the legal reality of any occupied entity, the UN's always maintained Palestine is occupied, having the right to armed rebellion under Geneva Conventions, and then compared to crimes committed around that illegally protected act. Or, yeah, legally. And many lies have been told. Right? All the things they claim, the major atrocities, as we showed you, have been shown to be false. Not questioned, but provably lies. And yet, we can't engage with this honestly. Or even worse, a long-term, high, you know, highly respected, they say, seasoned journalist doesn't even understand international law. Or, even worse than that, chooses to not because it goes against what he's supposed to say. 
I mean, like I'll, I'll give him some level of credit for having Norman Finkelstein on to discuss. And what I argue was a complete decimation of, of Dershowitz's same old nonsense. But either way, how do you not know this? How do you not understand what these are, what the idea of the difference between those acts and the original resistance are? It's obvious. And this is my point about what they're doing on these schools, right? Okay, so you have a display of, of, a, of a, a Jewish, uh, what, what is it, a uh, menorah, right? Yeah, menorah. This displayed on the campus. Which, by the way, I'm pretty sure these religious things are supposed to be sort of off the, you know, not like, it's like putting a, a cross in the middle of the, I don't think they would allow that. So it's interesting, right? But what you see here are people clearly in support of Palestine who are, because the point is, guys, the menorah is put there in, in support of what's going on in Israel during Hanukkah, right? That's the point. That's what they did it for. So this person climbs up and puts a Palestinian flag on it. Now, you could argue that's maybe insensitive, but to, to say this, at Yale, so-called anti-Zionists desecrate a menorah. Remind me, again, why this isn't anti-Semitism? Why would this be anti-Semitism? Now, certainly it could be. Certainly you could argue that they do this because they hate Jews. But you have to at least admit that it could just be because they're protesting back for Palestine against Israel. Now, yes, it is a menorah, but my point is that this is how Israelis around the world, mostly outside of Israel for the most part, have been convinced to think like, like that this is the one and the same. And we know that was put there for a protest in regard to, or, or you know, to raise awareness or solidarity with what's going on to people in Gaza or Israelis and celebrating Hanukkah at the same time. I just think it's interesting that we're so quick to broad stroke these things. Insensitive, maybe. Anti-Semitic? I mean, come on, guys. It's just becoming broad stroke, and this is what happens every single time, right? Russian salad dressing becomes something that's, a, you know, the joke that he put out. I forget who that was. In the times of fervor and these political talking points, it, it's, it's absurd, and we see it every single time. We allow these ridiculous people like the Lindsey Grahams and Maxine Waters of the world to push out hyperbolic nonsense that trickle back down through the party, and all the pundits out there, and you know who they are, gobble it up. Why? Because it gets them traction. But we always fall into it every single time. Lastly, this is how it ends up becoming real in the sense of how it trickles further. Well past this conversation. Those celebrating, well, first of all, here's Governor Hochul, calls for genocide on college campuses. Right, because that's not what's happening. I have yet to see a single example. And by the way, yesterday, I just broke down for you. I think I actually might have it right here. Hold on. Yeah. This one. They had a they had viral this footage that has been uh, uh, circulated everywhere, which they claim. I've got the other one, too, I think. Where is that? Here it is. So this was circulating, right? Where they, this this article or rather this video went around the Australian Jewish. Uh, what was it called? It's the Australian Jewish Association put this video out and they claimed that they were chanting gas the Jews. That was used in all around the world, guys. This went around every newspaper. The point is, it's been investigated to cut to the chase by video experts who say that it is not in sync with the video and that he is section, there's a section that's been edited and repeated and it very clearly seems to be not genuine. 
They edited these things together. And of course, when they reached out to them and tried to get more information, the woman answered the phone, says, why would we tell you where we got the footage from? And ends up, and then you call back and they go, we're too busy. Point is, nobody, whether it's this magazine or even corporate media that has tried to follow up and got evidence, nobody's ever given it. And the point is, their own team has proven this seems to be a fake. Now, why would you do that? Because you're desperate to make it seem that these people who are chanting free Palestine actually mean that. We're being lied to on such a massive scale, on such a monumental worldwide scale. It's I've never seen this before. And this is how it ends up becoming real in the sense of what the government does because of the lie. So free Palestine becomes wink, wink. They mean calls for genocide against Jews. So Kathy Holcher goes, perfect. An opportunity to take more power. Calls for genocide on our college campuses violate the human rights law. Which, by the way, there, there are not calls for genocide. Even, realize that's not what's happening. And it says we're prepared to take enforcement action if colleges and universities are found not in compliance. She's using this for her own political benefit. And also re removing your free speech at the same time. Now, you can't even come out. And by the way, <clears throat> in Australia, they've even these, at that local campus, they've even not, they're not even allowed to protest for Palestine anymore. See how that works? And she says, those celebrating, this is Jen and uh, Eunice, says, those celebrating Governor Holchel's letter threatening public universities with adverse consequences if they do not censor speech in accordance with her demands should think again. This action will have a severe, pervasive chilling effect and is flagrantly unconstitutional. Governor Holchel threatens to take aggressive enforcement action and refer Title VI violations to the feds if schools do not protect students from, quote, anti-Semitism, hatred, and a hostile environment based on their ethnicity or national origin. But it says the governor doesn't define those terms, and that's not surprising. They aren't really definable. Conservatives have been trying to combat these sorts of hate speech codes on college campuses for years, and rightly so. Ironically and hypocritically, many of the same people are advocating for those hate speech codes for political reasons. And there it is. Every single time. The very people who were screaming, you can't censor speech, free speech, and your woke politics. Well, oh, wait a minute. We're now we're on Israel's side. Now we want to censor your speech. How do you not see how embarrassing that is? You should be ashamed of yourself. Or I would argue those people probably don't care because they already know they're dishonest. The point is the two-party paradigm constantly pulls people back around. Just like I point out about saying that, you know, Second Amendment is completely off limits, except, wait a minute, trans people, we don't like that. You can't have a gun. The Republican Party. Same thing with the left. It's the same thing. They will flip-flop back and forth based on whatever current policy. We can point out the left doing things around vaccinations. We can point it out around migrant, any number of things. These games are constant. And the only thing we need to understand is as long as you play this game and allow these high-level pundits of Twitter and everywhere else to continue to add, to manipulate the way you see the world, it'll continue to be the same. They'll use your hatred against each other. They will use your benign words against each other should they decide one day they mean something they don't. All of this is about controlling your life while pitting you against each other, whether that's Jew and Muslim, Christian and anything else. Left versus right, white versus black, divide and conquer. That's a very classic and basic concept, but yes, it does matter. And you know what? Why not remove your free speech along the way? Thank you for tuning in, guys. It's just sad how obvious this all is, and it's still going. Now, I truly believe that most people see through this right now. 
but it's not stopping what they're doing. And that's been my primary concern from the very beginning of this is just to save some lives over there, to stop what is clearly still building, but maybe because of the pressure we've already applied and the fact that Biden is meekly falling to the other side, that maybe we'll see some pull here. <clears throat> the point being that we already know per, I think it was a, a, a high-level IDF member, or it was a former high-level IDF member, that should the U.S. stop funding what they're doing and stop providing arms, this will stop damn near immediately. And they keep going, though. Genocide Joe just keeps pushing forward, even though he's now saying indiscriminate. Explain for me how they can, this whole time, they've been doing everything in their power to not hit to not hit civilians, and now somehow they're going, but we need more, though. We need a little, stop killing a little bit less. Okay, so if they've done everything they can, suddenly they could do more all of a sudden? Yeah, you lied to us, and we know you lied to us, and we know you're trying to cover your butts. We get it. Still want to put you in jail, though. But the reality is people need to see this and share this and talk about this. Get out on the streets, talk to people, whatever you think is going to make a difference. I do never I never advocate violence. Don't give them what they need to call you what they want you to look like. But it's on the table for you guys. It's easy to expose. Share this with people. Talk about what's going on. Have your groups like have like I. this is something I think people should do more. Everybody out there has their little groups, their little friend groups, their communities. Set up some kind of a regular meeting, a, a weekly, monthly, whatever, where you sit down, whether it's my show or, or some platform or some grouping of articles or just whatever's on your mind. Sit down every time and have these talking points. Discuss them. What do you think about what's going on here? Here's what Ryan said's going on here. What do you think about that? Is that real? Do we believe that? What do you think? Let's discuss it. Let's challenge each other's ideas. They're terrified of that. We need to keep asking questions and keep sharing this information as often as possible. Now, our platform is doing our best to do that. And if you'd like to support what we're doing down below in the links, there's all sorts of ways you could support us. As always, the most important thing to me is getting the information out there. Clip this up, make your own clips, tag me on Twitter. I'll share them myself or gab or tag me anywhere you put it. Thank you for tuning in today. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. Anyway, welcome to the State Department. I think we have some interns in the back. Welcome. Uh, good to see you in this uh, exercise and transparency and democracy. <laughs> is that what it is? Sorry, I thought it was. I didn't mean to break I thought it was an exercise. Of, an exercise in spin and obfuscation. All right. Can you tell us my last briefing before vacation? Yeah. <laughs>